been to this Where's a manual when you need one Back of your hands, no good to you now Right angle, it's all shaped wrong when it should be rolling Hey, so there every present pursuit, entertainment, education, some adjectives to be named later the Homestead Armory proudly presents Trek West 5. Glamour podcast, science fiction, politics, humor, pretty much whatever else they want to talk about. Your host, Trek West 5, Joey Peter. Good evening and welcome to Podcast 166. I am Peter. And I am Joey. Uh, ooh, welcome everyone to the end of season two. Uh, this is so very, very cool. Uh, good week, good week. But before we go any further, we should introduce our guest, our live-in maid, Curtis. Welcome back, Curtis. You've been here before. You've been on for some poetry stuff before. Were you on for a Battlestar? I, I was on for a book list, not for poetry. Yeah. I, I did, oh, uh, yeah, the book his, one. His wife right. came on for poetry. I did a Fire, Firefly episode. Firefly, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. You and your wife are so similar, so I <laughs> just assume the two of you are you know, the same. Yeah, the same person. Uh, well, that's not a bad thing. I mean, your wife's a... She's a very decent person. I like her. So you should be, you know, glad that someone might mistake you for her. I'll try to take it as a compliment. Yeah. All right. Good. <laughs> Weaseled my way out of that one. Uh, anyway, welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, we've been wanting to get you on. You've been wanting to come on. This is a big ball of, of awesome just happening right now because everything co- is coinciding together. Uh, let's see here. Any announcements? Anything special you want to talk about, Joey? Nope. You uh, you still happy about your decision to uh, get into politics down in was Utah I ever County? Happy about it? I don't know. <laughs> I, you seemed like you were. No, nope, never been something I've been happy about, but it's something I feel like I need to do, or they're going to do it wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> great. The guy who's always getting things wrong on this podcast is going to fix everything in politics. It just shows you how broken things are that <laughs> I can fix anything down there. <laughs> very good. Very good. Uh, okay, well, if we've got nothing, Curtis, do you want to share anything to start off with? Did your kids do something magical this week? Did uh, something amazing happen at work? Did you hit a home run in your softball <laughs> league? There were many amazing things and miracles in my family each week, but I'll oh. save those for another time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good miracles, but just not, you know, worthy enough for this podcast, right? Uh, we'll, we'll have a special Miracles of the Mortensen Family podcast. <laughs> <laughs> The Holmes Army presents Miracles of the Mortensen Family. I'd love to see that get done. Uh, you let me know how I can help facilitate that. Okay. Um, okay, so let's jump into Facebook Find of the Week. Um, this week is going to go to Ambassador Brainy Smurf uh, for something that he posted up here um, about in in the Doctor Who universe, there's two, there's the Angels and then there's this thing called silence that makes you forget things and angels, you know, sneak up on you and they devour you. Uh, anyway, he posted up this picture um, that I'm, I'm showing to the two of you now up to the Facebook uh, group. And uh, the, the caption there says, if silence looks away from a weeping angel, 
Does the angel move closer or forget the encounter? Uh, which is brilliant, whoever came up with this. My uh, my hat is tipped to you because that's amazing. Um, yeah, that would be really, really cool to know what would happen in a scenario like that. So I think we need uh, Stephen Moffat to uh, to write that and uh, and get that figured out. But uh, it was very cool. Um, so, Brandy, congratulations, and you will not be receiving an award. Uh, but we appreciate your continued, uh, you know, contributions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, let's see here, Joey. Do we want to do uh, top five? Top five. Okay. Top five. This is actually a listener submission for top five. Top five games for the original Nintendo Entertainment System. Right now, we do have several people who sent in. Lists. Awesome. That's great. So why don't we do theirs first, and then we'll come and do our okay. authoritative list. <laughs> we'll start with Brainy. He says, uh, number five, Castlevania. Mm. I remember the game. I never... I think I played it once, and I'm pretty sure my mother would have banned it from being played <laughs> in my house. <laughs> would not have been... Okay, yeah, that's Dracula. That's evil. Uh, number four... Metroid, so classic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's one of the games I remember. I never played it. Oh, I remember watching people play it all the time, which was still just as enjoyable as a kid watching that happen. That was way cool. Number three, Super Mario 3. I think I played this game with my best friend more than I've done anything else in life. <laughs> I don't even remember. Which one was three? Uh, Two's the Dream World one, right? Yeah, yeah. With the radishes and stuff. Three is the one that was on the Wizard. Yep. Remember that movie? No, he's not remembering. No. It's the one where he he could basically uh, fly. Oh, with the He'd get the raccoon okay, okay, thing okay. The, put on the Tanuki suit or whatever, and yeah. the frog suit and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Number two, Zelda Two: The Adventures of Link. Again, a game I never played. Number one, Kid Icarus. Wow. The only submission that's not a franchise, but nonetheless a brilliant 2D side-scroller with a sweet character that I can play at any time still to this day. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. I never played Kid Icarus. I never even saw it played. I remember reading reviews about it, but I never saw the game itself. Okay. It did get reviewed really well back then. Yeah, it's one that I hear mentioned a lot as people want a remake of it or a sequel for No one's ever consoles, redone it? No. I wonder if there's a rights thing that's somehow mm. isn't allowing it. Hmm. Okay. Let's move on to my friend John Madsen. Uh he says number five, Gyromite. Certainly not super fun. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but <laughs> but <laughs> John, you're you're the best, man. <laughs> but interesting in that it's like the only game that used to that used that weird robot that came from yeah. some of the earlier the early sets. Yeah. I never played the game. I have no idea what he's referring to. You don't remember the little robot? That would that they used to have in the commercials. I never actually saw the robot, but it was always on the commercials, and it had the gyroscope and stuff. You don't remember that, huh? No, nope. you don't remember. The I robot don't either? have any memory of that. Oh, okay, I number yeah. number four, Castlevania, Dracula Bar Mitzvah, spooky, scary. 
number three, Bionic Commando. Yeah, that was a good one. Bionic arm, loads of weapons, and it turns out Hitler is the final boss in some of the first cut scenes I ever saw. I have no memory of this game. Uh, it was a fun one. Uh, it, was, it was a classic Metro, Metroidvania kind of game. Except for you couldn't jump. You had to use your bionic arm to hit an anchor point and swing up or climb up your bionic arm. It's actually been remade for, I think, the PlayStation 1 with like 3D graphics and stuff, and it was much less interesting of a game. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Number two, Guardian Legend. Is it a spaceship shooting game or an exploring walking game? Both! Yay! Okay, the exploring part was sort of dull, but the shooting part was wicked awesome. I don't remember that one. Yeah, me neither. John's too eclectic for me. Number one, Metroid. Creepy, slimy, mazy, sucky, brainy. Great music. The awesomest weapons. Freeze beam, ball bombs, missile launchers. Plus lots and lots of flipping. Yeah, that was one thing I remembered about that. Is every time you jumped, it was a... <laughs> a pirouette. Yeah, it was a multi-flip that was going on. All right, uh, let's move on to... Number, yeah, okay, Uh, listener M. Hey, dudes, good news, everyone. (laughs) The official official snack for the podcast should be cookies and milk. (laughs) (laughs) Not just cookies and milk, cookies in milk. (laughs) That's a pretty good idea. Pretty good idea, Mark. Top five NES games. Honorable mentions for Double Dribble and Blades of Steel. Number five, Ultima, Quest of the Avatar. Never played. RPG. Four, Bionic Commando, an innovative take on the standard side-scrolling platform game. Number three, RC Pro-Am, a racing game where you can shoot your opponents. How cool can you get? Number two, Super Mario 3. Probably the best marriage of gameplay, story, and level design. Number one, Mega Man 2. How cool was it that as you defeated baddies, you get their unique weapon until you have a terrific arsenal for attack? Uh, Good list. Good list. My nephew, John. Okay. John, good to hear from you again, buddy. It wasn't hard to pick my top five. It was just hard to put them in order. Hmm. Number five, Super Mario Brothers. It was the first game I ever owned on any game console. Number four, DuckTales. One of my favorite cartoons as a video game. Can't beat that. Number three, Mega Man 2. Love the fact that it had a difficulty level you could choose. I always played on easy, so I could beat it. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, The Legend of Zelda, Gold Cartridge, Enough Said. Number one, Super Mario Bros. 3. Was so excited when I saw it released on the movie The Wizard. Which is cool, because I'm pretty sure he and I went to... Uh, that movie together. Oh, okay. 
I remember correctly. I think uh, I think it was a group of us went there. I never actually saw that movie. I remember hearing that it was basically a, an hour and a half long commercial for the new Mario game, but I never. Oh, actually it was saw so the much movie. more than that, Julie. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen it. That's just what I heard at the time. I've never seen the movie. Fred Savage, the was... Power Glove. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, he finishes out. I was entertained with last week's top five one-hit wonders. I didn't get a chance to send a list in, but my number one would be No Rain by Blind Melon. Hmm. I'm curious to know if Pete's friend John Madsen thinks that counts. We'll have to find out, John. Um, my friend John Madsen, if you could uh, respond to my nephew, John Black. Uh, that, ooh, that's his new name. My nephew, John Black. Okay. Um, thanks, guys. John Black. Your nephew, John Black. Well, no, he signed it John Black, oh, so okay. i got to read it that way. It's a given. I got I got to do it that way. <laughs> Joey's wrong again. <laughs> I, I tell you, my wife is so sick of Pete's friend John Madsen. <laughs> if I'm telling a story and I'd say Pete's friend John Madsen, her eyes roll so hard. I think she's going to cause herself an aneurysm. <laughs> okay, uh, so we go to Curtis for his list. As yes, the guest. All right, I get to do my top NES. I, it didn't occur to me to rank them, but I, I have a, I echo that I had trouble limiting down the list, and so I, I've got seven here. So I'm going to give honorable mention to Tecmo Super Bowl. Okay. Oh, sure. The best you could always run the end around and score <laughs> oh, a touchdown. Every yeah, time. You, you know the the best part was just calling a pass play and running your quarterback back to the other end zone and throwing the ball because it was unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, let's see. I actually meant to not make that one of my honorable mention. I'm reading my list wrong here. Uh, so that'll be my number five. We'll come back to the rest of my list. My, my honorable mentions are Blades of Steel. Oh, okay. Which was an awesome hockey game, and uh, the best part, of course, was when a fight started, you could actually throw punches at the, <laughs> at the other player. And that I, game would also not have been allowed in my household. <laughs> violence because it was yep. hockey. <laughs> too, too violent. <laughs> Well, then you probably wouldn't have been able to have my other honorable mention, which is Contra, which was a great uh, two-player multi, um, at the same time, not split screen, but together, shoot shoot them up. Co-op, yeah. Yeah, co-op. Uh-huh. It was always fun on the levels where you had to climb things and you could kill your partner by climbing too high and they would die. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I my top five, I already mentioned Tecmo Bowl, Tecmo Super Bowl. Uh I also want to mention Super Mario Brothers. It was also the first game we had on our NES. We played it over and over again. We played it till we beat it using the warps, and then we played it until we could beat it without warping, and then beat it with the um, harder, uh, harder difficulty after you beat it, because then it replaces all the mushroom guys with the little um, super turtles. I can't remember what they were. Oh, the hard the black shells. Throw... Yeah. Oh, well, there were the hammer throwing guys, but the. The mushrooms actually got replaced. If you if you played it through without resetting your console and beat it, and you go you can go back and play through it again. In fact, you can select which world you want when you go back and play through it again. But your normal uh, Goomba guys are replaced by the um, black shell guys. Yeah, the hard shell. Yeah. Yeah. I remember hmm. that. Yeah. So a lot of, lot of fun with that one. Um, Want to give a shout out to. Uh, Another one in my top five, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, which is a <laughs> oh, classic. Played it over and over again. <laughs> that. 
and didn't uh, even make my list. Not even as an yeah. honorable mention. <laughs> I never played Punch Out. I never played it either, but I watched it played all okay. the time, and I just. Like that's iconic with the. the Who are these friends that you were with that they only <laughs> ever let you watch? When I played, I just lost. Oh, I see. I, I ra- would rather watch the I thing, okay. the awesomeness happen than just lose. So yeah, I was I was more than happy to just watch. I'm a voyeur. <laughs> <laughs> Beat likes to watch. You heard it here. All right. Um. So then my my next one, I guess my number two would be Dragon Warrior, the old uh, Japanese RPG style game. Okay. It was like the first of its kind. It was amazing. Um, it's a huge world and you had to go out and do random encounters to level up your warrior and it had a cool story where you, you rescued a princess and then when you rescued her, she her heart could tell you directions so you could go into mysterious caverns and find your way around. <laughs> and then you fought a... A final boss, a big, huge dragon. That was pretty awesome. Also, I think I, if I remember correctly, I got that one free as part of a subscription to Nintendo Power, or maybe okay. it was the other way around. Somehow there was a pr- promotion there with the two of them, so I got a big map, and I, I think I still have that map somewhere of the, nice. the whole world. And wow, kind of a guide on how to play it. Yeah. It was great. And uh, my number one is Ninja Gaiden, which mm. was an amazing game. Oh, the cutscenes right. still to this yeah. day just are amazes me the storytelling that they did in that uh, with those ancient graphics and just limited memory on the cartridges but really pull off an amazing game fantastic good list very good list curtis pete okay uh number five is going to go to a game i never played or at least now maybe i played it once but it's contra <laughs> uh that game absolutely was not allowed in our household my brother had to sneak it in, and of course, it's it's the iconic game because of the uh, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, left, left right, right, BA select start. Yes, that whole thing there. I mean, that's how you got in there, and then you got to essentially, what, have unlimited lives or something? I think you got or, 30 lives instead of the usual three. Yeah. Anyway, I remember watching my brother play it. I think I played it a few times, uh, but it was... When I think of Nintendo, that is one of the first games that comes to mind. Number four is Mega Man 3. Uh, not two, but three. I liked the the third version. Uh, I played it with a buddy of mine. I got to sleep over at his house, and we just played it the whole weekend. <laughs> you know, even coming home from church, and afterwards we played it all through that, nice. and it was, it was tons and tons of fun. You know, I, I always had trouble with the Mega Mans because... The easy mode was too easy for me, but the normal mode was too hard. And so I, I had trouble getting into the game because that, that difficulty curve, I couldn't ever find myself on it. it. It was just loads and loads of fun. I mean, just the way you wind yourself all the way through. All the different worlds. And yeah, stuff. it's very, very cool. Uh, number three is Super Mario Brothers. I, I actually bought my Nintendo. My parents did we're not going to get this for me. So I had to work. I saved up a lot of my money till I finally had the hundred dollar bill in my hand to go and buy it. (laughs) We went down to Toys R Us. I went and I purchased it. And that was, you know, that and duck hunt were the only two games I had because that's all that it came with. Um, and my parents again, not going to be buying anything for me. So, um, I played it a lot. I was not good at it. 
I don't know that I even ever beat the game. <laughs> but I saw some friends beat the game, and so that was cool enough for me. Number two is, I think it's it's either 1942 or 1943. I can't remember which it is. But you're basically, you're a, uh, not a biplane, but... Uh, a twin prop. Yeah, yeah. and you're flying through, and you're... You're killing all of the other planes that are coming past you. I played that thing over and over again. When we got a MAME cabinet at our last job, I even started playing it then. <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. Um, number one has got to go to DuckTales. I loved this game, and I played it <laughs> over and over and over again to the point where I got... Every single diamond that you could possibly find in this game. And apparently I your nephew found... John Black came over and played it with you? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was just loads of fun. Matter of fact, it was one of the... Um, I became valedictorian of uh, my 8th grade graduating class. And my dad was like, well, I, I, we should do something for you. What do you want? And I said, I want this game. And so I, I got the game. Nice. Um, I, I feel like now I, I maybe shortchanged myself a little bit. <laughs> I, should have, I should have thought a little higher, a little I, grander. I think you chose correctly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I played it, loved it. it it's always going to be my favorite. Awesome. Uh, for me, I'm going to give an honorable mention to Double Dragon. Because with as little story as they actually present in that video game, Double Dragon became a huge cultural cultural phenomenon around that time. I remember they had a car, Saturday morning cartoon, and there was uh, I think there was a movie made. That sound, I think so. Uh, anyway, yeah. there's, there's almost no story actually given in the context of the video game, and the fact that people were able to extrapolate from that, I, I just thought that was great. Um, my number five is one that I'm probably the only person in the world that actually really enjoyed this game, but it's Iron Tank. Um, <laughs> never even heard of it and, and so it's one where you you drove a tank around you were trying to so you were one tank against all of nazi germany <laughs> and in order to uh to change the direction of your turret you had to switch from control so the d-pad controlled either the the treads or the turret it couldn't do both at the same time so you'd have to stop in place switch over to the turret, then you could ch change the angle of the turret, then go back to the treads and drive around some more. And then the other... The that other, sounds like a terrible game. It was <laughs> like, everyone hated it, but I loved it, and I played that thing for hours and hours and hours. It was so much fun. Um, my number four is Contra. If only for the ad, which I still remember to this day. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is one heck of an ad. <laughs> we'll have to that, post that. That would have been another reason that it would not have <laughs> been allowed in my home. I, I was sure that was where you were headed when you said it wouldn't be allowed. No, just the massive killing. <laughs> like you're just running around a jungle killing people. There's They were aliens. They were aliens. Oh, were they? Yeah, yeah well, I'm pretty sure my parents would not have seen it that way. <laughs> uh, my number three was Metroid. Uh, I actually never cared for the Castlevania games. But I just think it's interesting that to this day we refer to a an entire category of games as Metroidvania games. You know, that just shows how defining these games were in their genre. Uh, my number two is Metal Gear. Spawn, I think, one of the greatest video game franchises of all time. I've loved everything that these guys have put out that I've played. Uh, the interesting thing is I actually found out many years later. So at the time that I had it, 
I was so frustrated with this game because we couldn't ever beat it. We couldn't, we'd go into the room where the last boss was supposed to be and there was nothing there. The room was empty. And I, at the time I just thought, oh, what a horrible game. But I enjoyed everything up to that point. And then they put out, you know, the additional games and stuff. And so I started playing all the other games. And I started doing some research. I was like, you know, I wonder what happened with that first game. Why I couldn't ever beat it. I went back and looked. And there were like 15,000 games that came out that had a bug in them where they hadn't, there was no way to hit a particular trigger that would make the last boss occur. And those things are worth so much money now. They're worth tons and tons and tons of money. And I'll be darned if I have any idea what happened to my copy but it was a collectible item, and I didn't know it. I was just pissed because the game was unbeatable. <laughs> That's too bad. I, I would uh, think more highly of the game if it just became this sort of existential, uh, you <laughs> know, no way to win. boss. You know, where you go in there and you, you know, you have to contemplate the decisions that you've made in life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a good idea, Pete. Maybe somebody will make that game. Actually, I think they did. I believe it's called Spec Ops The Line. Uh, and my number one of all time is Zelda II The Adventure of Link. I could play that game to this day. I think I could sit down and play it all night long and just love every second of it. Okay, uh, so let's jump into Brainy's Nook of Darkness. Uh, he starts A Nightmare in Silver by Neil Gaiman. As Season 7 just ended with sublime, epic storytelling with a uh, jagan-darty proportion, I am just giddy with the Doctor's evolution. So I really just want to hear what you guys thought of the Gaiman episode. Maybe the Cybermen's upgrade a lot. Um, but I think this is a beautiful story with Willow Porridge disguised as Emperor Goodness. The Doctor facing off with Mr. Clever is awesome. Matt Smith's physical acting performance sweetly conveys, uh, conveys that switching back and forth between the two Doctor personalities. And I love how the final duel is a chess match. Great face-off scenes. And, of course, the Doctor must think out of the box to defeat Mr. Clever. I also love Clara as the Doctor's current companion. Her arc is one of the most creative strokes Stephen Moffat has accomplished recently. Gaiman has been a fan of the Doctor since he was a boy, and for his second episode submission, he chose an old favorite for the enemies while also upgrading the characters. Brilliant. Sci-Fi 10, TV 8, Music 8. So we actually watched this together tonight uh, in order to podcast on it. Uh, I want to start off by saying, well, generally, I've always found myself pleased by Gaiman's work. Man does a fantastic job. Uh, we like the same things, it, it, I would say. Uh I I have this problem with every episode of Doctor Who I watch where I feel like there's just all of these assumptions that I've seen every episode of Doctor Who and I know and the example that comes out most strongly was the use of psychic paper and Pete if you had not been there to explain that scene that would have irritated the heck out of me he just pulls out something out of his pocket and everything seems to be okay now I know it's just a MacGuffin, and that's that's fine. I mean, it's a it's a writing technique. We see people use it all the time, but 
there's just there, there's that deep library of Doctor Who lore that I feel like I need to have before I watch any episode of Doctor Who because who knows what they're gonna pull out? Like I didn't know what a Cyberman was. Yeah, you're you're you were wrong about it then. You're wrong about it now. <laughs> it's the there is no deep mythology about the Doctor. The Doctor is restarted with every new Doctor that comes along, and even right in the middle of the very same Doctor, <laughs> things are reinvented along the way. There, there's no set storyline that you know absolutely. Um, you know the they they have to follow um a, along any sort of historical path that was predetermined with a, a former doctor uh for the most part those doctors are what they were and then they move on to the next thing and they don't look back at it and say oh well this happened with this doctor so we can't possibly do you know uh, you know make a change with this new doctor that the, those rules just don't exist when the, the doctor community. And as far as you know, the the psychic paper is concerned, I didn't know about it before I started watching the the Doctor Who um, reboot so back in two thousand five. They explained it. They certainly didn't explain it right there. No, that's because we the this reboot that happened. Everybody's already been along for the ride, um, so you would go back to where they started with the 2005 reboot, which was um, Eccleston's right. Doctor. And somewhere along the way, the the psychic paper came out and it was explained. Okay. I, so we watched- Actually, you know, even within, I think, this season, because Clara is a new companion to the Doctor, I think they explained it for her okay. as well. The what we're watching is the very is the second to the last episode of this season, so you know Clara's been with us for a while now. Gotcha, and and she's the companion is kind of our representation on the Doctor's team, I guess. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, the uh, uh, the the Doctor is his own species, and you know we're humans, and you right. know he always has a human companion along. Well, wasn't one of his companions not a human? Um, not that okay. I can remember. Not one of the you know quote unquote official companions. I don't believe so. I thought one of them was one of the little robots with the exterminate, exterminate. What are those things called? The the Daleks. Yes, the Daleks. Didn't he have a companion that was a Dalek? No, he had a dog back in the seventies or sixties. But the the dog was really just an added thing that he, you know, that they created for, for K-9. that episode. K nine, I remember that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, there was no Dalek. <laughs> the the Daleks are the sworn enemy of the uh, the Time Lords. Okay, apparently the Cybermen also not so pleasant. Oh yeah, yeah. There's been lots of fun Cybermen. They're basically uh, the board, right? I mean, well. This episode, way more than any other that I've ever seen. Okay. Um, the, they are the... Now, nah, because they, they kind of dance around that a bit with the, the Daleks as well. Um, they're not Borg. They're not trying to become, you know... They're not rewriting, you know, a Borg character. They are this 
creature that has had all of their emotion taken out of them. That's who the Cybermen are. But they're constantly upgrading to face every threat. That's this new. That's new to this. Episode. That's this new set of oh, okay. uh, of things that have happened. Okay. And when I watched this, I thought the exact same thing you did, which was, oh, well, here's the Borg. <laughs> um, and you know, props to. I, I don't know which came first, whether or not the Borg called, uh, you know, made a call back to some previous Doctor, Doctor Who, Who. Uh, Cyberman uh, original episode. And so that's where the Borg came from. Or if Neil Gaiman's borrowing some of the the stuff that we have recently with the Star Trek uh, universe where the Borg exists gotcha. and they, you know, upgrade and resistance is futile, <laughs> so to speak. I have to say, out of, so we watched some of the first season of the reboot. Uh, together, uh, it's been a few years now, mm-hmm. but we'd mm-hmm. started to watch that at one point. Um, I'd say this was funnier than I remember the Eccleston stuff being. Uh, I thought there was there was some good, clever humor in here. There was. Um, I liked Clara. I thought she was she was a fun character. I didn't care for the kids. I'm glad they were barely used in the episode. (laughs) This is the first time they've ever really been used. Okay. The only other times it's been a whole, you know, minute and a half of screen time that the kids have had. It was just sort of like, oh, there's kids. You know, these, I, you know, they were written to actually have, you know, something happen to them this time. They were, they were part of the real story. uh, Porridge. Yeah, that, w- that was the guy that was Willow, right? I mean, it, Brainy made some allusion to that. I don't know because I never really watched that movie. Yeah, I, I didn't either. But when looked- I was younger, I know it was out and it was a big deal back then. It was one of the you know the big blockbusters. Yeah. Um, but I never watched it. I've never really cared to watch it. It could be. Okay. Uh, I enjoyed this episode on the whole. I. It seemed that if if we could put a big idea uh, on the episode, it seemed that it was think outside of the box of the problem. Don't don't let the problem define the solutions you take to it. Because the the chess match, it's pretty clear. I think the chess match was a stalling tactic the whole time, and you know Doctor Who's waiting for the right collection of local resources to become available to him to to proceed to to solve the problem on the larger scale but really the 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 chess match is smoke and mirrors you know the the one of the the characters guessed earlier oh i think it's all mirrors and doctor who says oh that's interesting and then he kind of played a smoke and mirrors game with the cyber planner is that what his name was i guess yeah mr Clever? Mr. Clever uh, is uh, <laughs> what uh, Brenny referred to him as. Well, I think he refers to himself as, he's like, Does he? Cyber Planner. That's not such a great name anymore. I think oh, I will call yeah, myself Mr. The... Clever. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's so much better. <laughs> uh, what do you think about this as as far as a work of Gaiman, so to speak? Uh, it's lighter than his usual stuff. I, I don't normally think of Gaiman as like this happy-go-lucky kind of fare of what we got here. Um, I, th- I think it was entertaining. I, d- I doubt it really stretched him as a writer, though. You know, when I compared this to something, for example, like Coraline, 
that was that was a way more complex story to put together. And you know, he he only has what forty minutes, yeah, as opposed to two and a half hours, but uh, or you know, hundreds of pages in a novel. But I'd say it's it's good. It's not his best thing, but it was entertaining. For Doctor Who, it's okay. I would put this as middle of the pack stuff, and that's not a knock because I love almost all of Doctor Who. There is only a few episodes that I really look at and say, wow, what in the world were they thinking when they wrote this? Um, But I think there have been better stuff out there. I think people go nuts over this because it's Gaiman. And he is a great author. He's done a lot of really spectacular um, works of science fiction or fantasy or what have you. But... I, I think it just becomes a novelty that he was the one that wrote this. Yeah, right. there, there's nothing about the typical writers of Doctor Who that couldn't have given us this particular episode. Yeah, and there, I think there's nothing. I, I can't say I see Gaiman's personal stamp on the episode or mm. anything like. Like I wouldn't have walked away from this going, "Yeah, that was totally a Gaiman episode, man." Uh, but again, you know, I imagine for Gaiman, it's just like, you know what? I grew up loving this. It's yeah, fun it's to fun. write for the thing that I grew up loving. He gets to do his own fan fiction. Yes. And and actually have the directors and actors have to play it out for him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're absolutely right. It is a fun episode. It, it was witty and humorous, which is typical with almost all of the Doctor Who episodes. There's a you know some that are just almost purely very much more dramatic but for the most part they try to be light and fun in most areas and then you know interesting and quizzical in others um the uh, the actress who plays Clara um I I think she's done a great job of filling some shoes of previous companions who've done some really really great jobs now is she the one immediately after Pond or was there yes. another one in between? Okay. She was the one. Because I know a lot of people really liked Pond. The internet kind of... like I've never seen an episode of Doctor Who, and I know who Pond was. So that tells you something. Yeah, I did have to help you out with uh, one of the jokes that... Uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Penny Arcade Guys yes. did once. Um, but yeah, Pond is... I don't understand quite maybe why it took off so much, other than the fact that... Well, it's the internet, and it's just getting bigger and bigger, and <laughs> it was a cool character, and she was entertaining, and she was attractive, so why why wouldn't she take off? Yeah. So do we know what this whole Impossible Girl thing is all about? Is that something Gaiman introduced, or has it been a running theme for the season? It's been a running theme, and, and you'd have to watch. Oh. Now, I don't recommend that you start with this season, because there are things that led up to how he gets here um with the with her so maybe you should just start back in 2005 with Eccleston well I figure we're gonna cover this on the podcast at some point I'll wait till then (laughs) maybe one day we will um so yeah this was I guess a combined Joey's culture corner would you give this a thumbs up then yeah I'd give it a thumb up okay moving on to episodes we are going to cover episodes uh 19 through 20 of Battlestar Galactica Season 2. We'll start with Lay Down Your Burdens Part 1. 
With the presidential elections in full swing, Starbuck leads a SAR team to Caprica to save Anders and returns with surprising, no surprising news. I sure hope they allowed all those soldiers to file absentee ballots. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's pretty funny. Um, okay, so we watched these episodes together for the most part. Uh, except the very the second one uh, at work um, on our lunch break, and uh, so I don't have any notes taken. <laughs> so we're we're just gonna make this uh, uh, a hippie loving kind of discussion tonight. Like, lucky for you, Pete. I watched them a second time so that I could make notes. Okay. Anybody who wants to say anything from <laughs> any time period of part one, feel free to just shout it now, and then we'll just do our uh, our ratings. And uh, this is gonna be the shortest podcast ever. All right. Okay. Well, we start with uh, we start this episode with Terrell. Uh, apparently having some kind of epileptic seizure or something. I don't know what's going on there. The man's rolling around on the ground in the docking bay. Uh-huh. Uh, and Callie is in there looking for him. And she goes, you know, so we, we I, I say we follow that storyline through. Sure, yeah, because can, it, it was cutting in and yeah. out between a few different stories. So Callie goes in and she goes, she finds him laying there and she goes over to, Kind of shake him and wake him up because it looks as though maybe he's asleep. She she shakes him and says, "Hey, chief," and he goes berserk on her and proceeds to beat her into a bloody pulp. At which point, I believe I I suggested to both of you, "Oh, so Terrell's a Cylon." <laughs> S suggested. Yeah, I, I like that term that you just used there that you just made up to make yourself sound a little better. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, that whole thing, it is so violent. Yeah. The way that he just starts pummeling her. <laughs> it's not as though he's smacking her around. Closed fist in in the style of, you know, the U, uh, uh, Ultimate Fighting uh, Championship. You're just pounding away on this person. And she's gone limp. Uh, that, that's her defense mechanism. Yeah. Play dead because there's a really good chance she might actually be. It was pretty horrible. Yeah. So the, he ends up uh, asking to speak with a priest, and they introduce. Well, that's just it. We aren't. He doesn't ever ask for it. We just are suddenly put in the scene where he's talking to him. Well, the, he says, "You asked for a priest." When Brother Cavill comes in. Says you asked oh, for a okay. priest. And he's like, yeah, I must have missed that. Yeah. I, I, okay, I don't believe in therapists. My dad was a priest, so I figured I'd get along better with you. Okay. And and they proceed to have this discussion. By the way, Brother Cavill, played by the fantastic Dean Stockwell, love this guy, Al from Quantum Leap. <laughs> um, and in fact, they uh, they threw in a little a little note to Quantum Leap where in Quantum Leap they'd always talk about how. It was God, time, or fate that was leaping Sam around through time. And uh, Brother Cavill at one point, he says, well, yeah, God, time, or fate, whatever it is that's God, doing the, this to you. The universe? God, fate, fate in the universe, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it was, it was I, I felt like it was a clear allusion to his, his service on Quantum Leap, which was a fantastic show. Um, and so he talks to Tyrrell about, you've been having recurring dreams lately, haven't you? Tell me about your recurring dream. And I think they actually, I think they did a great job with this where 
rather than having Tyrrell explain his recurring dream or even having a voiceover, we just experienced the dream as Tyrrell experienced experienced it. Yep, they and, did a show, not a tell. And it's Tyrrell committing suicide. Yep, walking so, up on the the side and just almost like he's doing a swan dive <laughs> off down to the uh, the main hangar level. So I'm pretty sure he is a Cylon because it's clear that <laughs> sleeper agent Cylons want to commit suicide. We, 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 have, we have a sample size of one on this, <laughs> which I think is statistically significant. Your logic is impeccable. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, he, he, in a lot of ways, he is acting similar to what we saw Boomer go through in, in her, in the final days before her, her attempt to assassinate Adama. So I don't know if that if that is Tyrrell guilt reliving what Boomer went through, or Tyrrell is a sleeper agent and he's actually experiencing this just like Boomer did for the same reasons because he's about to do something horrific. Yeah, it's fun because that's where uh, Brother Cavill takes him. Yeah, you know, he's like, why don't you really get to the heart of this matter? You know what? I, 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 I'm not going to help you here if you're not willing to admit, you know, this to yourself. And you know, he's like, oh, I don't know what I'm talking. I don't know what you're talking about. And so Cavill finally says it. Well, of course, you think you're a Cylon, <laughs> and so you're so scared about this because, you, and you don't know how to handle it. Yeah, and, and Cavill has a great line in there where, he's, where Terrell's like, well, how do you know I'm not a Cylon? Yes. Cavill says, well, because I'm a Cylon, and I haven't seen you at our monthly meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Which is about to become a much funnier quote <laughs> in the next episode. But I enjoyed it just for what it was in the moment right there. Um, it was especially funny for us watching, knowing what was about to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, I made a note here that I did like the sound design that they had during Turtle's dreamscape moment. I thought they did a really good job of making that seem eerie and, and just kind of uncomfortable, hard to watch. Uh, eventually, though, he, Cavill is able to help walk Tyrrell through the emotional baggage that he's carrying with this and basically saying, yeah, it's time for you to go back to work now. You know, you've... Uh, you, you've you, you've come to this. You've dealt with this. Now it's time to go back. And he's like, No, no, I, I don't want to go back there because uh, that's where Callie's going to be at, and that's yeah. a tough thing to have to live down because you're the main guy in charge of the whole bay, and you did this to one of your own. This def- you know poor defenseless woman, you beat with your own hands. Yes, I can't imagine the emotional trauma that he is feeling from that. I imagine it's something like what I felt after spilling your, your dinner on the way home. <laughs> tonight. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, good, good analogy. <laughs> you should feel that sad. So at work today, we had uh, a they paper airplane flying contest and they provided lunch from an Italian place. At the end, there was like a lot of food left over. So I said to Joey, Hey, you know what would be a great idea? Let's go and take some of this pasta. Then we don't have to go out to eat tonight. And so we did. We loaded up our plates. I'm driving us home. And Joey's holding the plates on his lap. And he falls asleep. Which is (laughs) 
that's a completely normal thing for Joey to do in when my driving. Yes, it, he just falls asleep. There's, I have no evidence of him just falling asleep when he's driving. I pray that's not happening. Uh, but nonetheless, he was holding plates. I knew he was asleep. I was watching him sleep, and I was thinking, yeah, should I wake him up? I'm like, no, nah, he probably needs to sleep. I feel bad for the guy. And it looks like he's got he. It looked like he had the plates secured on his lap everything looked good and i was like all right i'll just watch him you know as i'm driving along and nope sure enough my hand wasn't close enough to be able to grab that plate as it slid off of the other plate and upside down onto the carpet (laughs) and he's like oh oh no uh uh Sort of this uh, drunk waking up kind of. <laughs> that, that's the best way to you know know what well, was happening right there. Here, here's the thing. I I didn't. I was not conscious of falling asleep. I didn't realize it was happening to me. <laughs> All I know is we're driving along, and the next thing I hear is Pete say, "Yep, that's a thing that just happened." <laughs> <laughs> I like open my eyes, and there's Pete's food on the floor. <laughs> And so Joey starts to reach down to pick it up. I'm like, no, no, just leave it there. We'll get it cleaned up later. I knew it would just get worse if you tried to start cleaning it up right there in the car. Because you, you had nothing. We yeah. had no napkins. We had nothing to You're clean right. this You're up with. Good call. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was fun. So anyway, we had to go out to uh, Carl's Jr. And uh, yeah, that's the end of the episode. <laughs> well, we do have a little more story here. Oh. Uh, we have the presidential election storyline. So we have uh, Rosalind with... Excuse me, President Rosalind. Current President Rosalind <laughs> with a uh, a strange method of debate prep where she memorizes the speaking point and then tears the card up and throws it away. Uh, and yeah, that was a little weird. And then, then the Dama comes in and he's talking, he's like, yeah, my, my father used to break pencils before he'd go to court. Um, and then he'd have to ask the court clerk to borrow a pencil (laughs) because he, he liked it because it was breaking preconceptions and working with what you have. Uh, and she's like, oh, that's a great idea. So she takes her pencil and she breaks it in half and throws it away. And she's like, wait, what if the moderator doesn't have a pencil? And he's like, well, then you're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Which starts her on a giggle fit. Uh, I've never actually had this problem. I don't know. Do either of you guys ever have a problem with? No, no, not at all. Curtis and I have never started giggling and not been able to nerve giggles. I know you two. <laughs> I know you two giggle. Yeah, uh, just to, to let people know where Curtis and I were just talking about uh, at the very first job that we ever worked at together, where we first met. Curtis and I one day started laughing, and we could not stop <laughs> to I- the point that Curtis. Ha- had to leave he had to extricate himself to a to his own uh, to the separate office where he was away from me <laughs> every time they'd look at each other and i remember you even got at one point you got up and you started walking back and as soon as you got to the glass wall you started laughing again you turned around and went right back in the office. <laughs> you're like nope nope <laughs> apparently it's not over yet it's one of my funnest memories uh, and I have no idea what it was we were laughing about. I don't remember. You don't either? <laughs> I don't know because I was oh. on the other side of the glass partition. <laughs> you weren't invited to participate. Right. <laughs> You're always on the wrong side of the glass. 
<laughs> Thank you, Curtis. <laughs> oh, we really should have put him on the other side of the building <laughs> just so he would have to be away from us. That's right. But uh, so, in the case of, of giggling because of nerves, I had a friend growing up who had this problem. Oh, I think you've mentioned this kid before. Have I, have I told this story about the dog? Yes, yes. Have I told it on the podcast? I think you have, but tell it again okay. because it was a while ago. So uh, there, there was a, a girl who lived in a, in a behind, like off of our backyard, and she had a dog. And we're out walking one day through the rural area that I lived in, and we see this girl's dog off in the field chasing some cows around. And the, the rancher, whose cows they are, pulls up in his truck, gets out, and he's shooting... Not at the dog, but near the dog. He's trying to scare the dog off because it's bothering his cattle. Well, a bullet hits a rock and bounces up and, and goes into the dog. And now the dog is shot through both hindquarters. I mean, it, it, went, it went through and through, all the way through the hindquarters. And the dog's, of course, dragging its backside around and whimpering and stuff. And the guy's like, and we're like, dude, that's our, that's our friend's dog. What's your problem? And he's like, well, there's only one thing to do now, and that's put the dog down. So he goes over and kills the dog. We go to my friend to tell her that this horrible, horrible thing has happened. And this is when I discover that my friend has this problem of giggling when he's nervous. And so the whole time I'm standing there trying to tell this girl, look, this guy shot your dog. He's dead. My friend is giggling. And I'm like, would you stop? And she won't take me seriously. She's like, this is the cruelest joke you've ever... I don't understand. Why are you doing this? And I'm like, no, look... He has his own thing he has to deal with right now. You need to understand this. Your dog really is dead. Go down to this field over here. You'll see your dog out there dead. Joey, I don't understand. Why are you doing this? This is just so mean. And like, it took a long time. And a, like, it was hard to tell someone that their dog was dead. It was even worse to tell it with a person standing there giggling about it the whole time. Oh, it was terrible. I think that's one of the worst stories I've ever heard. <laughs> I've got more. <laughs> uh, okay, so they go and they have the debate, and it seems like Rosalind is kind of sweeping the floor with Baltar at this point. Uh, he, he's got the one issue. Hey, you're a religious nut. And, you know, they're talking about how... So we hear both campaigns take on it, and, and Rosalind's campaign is like, that was fantastic, you did great. Yeah, he's he's just got the one point that he can hit you on, which is the religious thing. If that's all he's got, this election is yours. Then we go to Zarek and and Baltar, where Zarek's like, you got to keep hitting her on the religious thing. Every time you do, we win another vote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just thought that that was a lot of fun, a lot, very West Wingy again, you know, to see the the campaigns running there. Uh, and then, then we have uh, – Pete, you sent out an email that noted that I exclaimed out loud at least twice. Uh, we have one of the causes of exclamation. Oh, no, this is, is, is this after they find the planet? I can't remember right now. But Zarek is standing there talking to Baltar, and Head Six comes over and, like, drapes herself against Zarek. It's the first time that I can think of that we've seen Six – touch someone else mm-hmm. and and the scene of Zarek and six staring down Baltar. i actually think they should take that shot and make it a, a poster for Balstar galactic i think it'd be a great poster uh i i thought it was fantastic i i was like oh my gosh she, she's interacting with someone besides Gaius. not that not that Zarek reacted whatsoever but to see those two kind of in cahoots is how it made it seem 
Uh, especially with the you know the devastating realization that there's probably no chip in Gaius's brain. <laughs> <laughs> I am so confused. <laughs> I, we talked about this last week. There still could be a chip there. I don't think there's a chip there. You I, don't think I, there's I'm, a chip? I'm there. done with the chip. No chip. No, no chip. Uh, I think that what Head Six and Head Gaius are are the natives of the of New Caprica. But we'll get to that. Okay, so we should probably jump to the military exercise right now. Okay. Because otherwise the rest of the political stuff doesn't make, really make sense. sense. Okay. Uh, so we have Kareth Race finally getting her her so mission to yep. be able to go back to Caprica. Save her boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> it's really what this is all about. Um, and so they plan this out, and turns out that the... Part of this is going to be done using uh, handhold. Yeah, handhold. <laughs> um, literally, again, uh, yep. because they're going to plug into her and use her to be able to jump farther than they normally would. Apparently, there's something about the calculations they can't do very far with her because she's a Cylon Didn't they computer. they say it's like three times further or something like that? I don't know. It's yeah. a, they said that they would need ten jumps to go back, but with her it was going to be cut down to you know, a smaller number. So a bunch of, uh, of rafters get together. They're jumping out. And I think the very first, <laughs> the very first jump. jump, someone race gets track. lost. Race track. Someone gets lost, and they're like, oh, crap. Now this sucks. And they're like, oh, wait. It's wait, a big wait, wait. planet. What's this over here? And it turns out it's a planet. And it's habitable. Yes. And so... And that. this is at, right after Head 6 has been telling Gaius, don't worry, everything's going to work out. God has a plan. And it's the only misjump in the entire mission. Well, there was the other one. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was probably not a, a misjump. misjump so much as a... Unfortunate, unfortunate yes. miscalculation or something there. Yeah, but I just thought. So at this point, I am actually starting to wonder: Is there really a god? Is is Head Six divine and not hallucination? Not broadcasted brainwaves? Is this actually a divine being? That's okay. Here? Well, I was going to wait till the end of this to ask you this, but do you think that handhole? No, Shoveled I don't think the, she had anything to do with These guys over to that planet. No, you don't think so? Because the okay. pilots are talking about how those aren't the coordinates we entered. Well, those are the coordinates that you gave me, but that's not where you know. So, the, like, it's like the computer malfunctions somehow. Well, no, he said race. Those are the coordinates that racetrack gave him, right? Right, but she's like, that's not the coordinates we're supposed to be at. So, okay. somehow the coordinates that got to racetrack. To get into the computer are different than what everyone else in the fleet got. I don't think Handhole had anything to do with that. I think it's divine intervention. Okay. Okay. Or it's shapeshifters. (laughs) 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 So they eventually they make a few more jumps. They get to the planet. We have the unfortunate raptor that jumps into the side of a mountain. Reemerges, yeah, inside. uh, you know, rephases to to normal uh, space <laughs> inside of a mountain. That's gotta suck. Um, at least that would be a quick way to go, right? Maybe. 
Who knows? Well, yeah, <laughs> I don't true. think anyone's ever come back and told us how long it takes. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> um, and they, so they're flying, so they're jumping into the atmosphere, which is a pretty dangerous thing to do. Yeah, we've heard before on Cobalt. When, the, when they were going to do the rescue mission on Cobalt, we heard how dangerous this is. Yeah, because they have to be able to, to slow down and then you know orient themselves. But this gives them the best opportunity for success here. So they get in and they start flying into where they, they think that uh, the other humans should be, where Anders... Where the base was, nearby, um, near where the base was. They land, they start uh, going through, and suddenly they come to, they meet up with Anders' group. Yeah. And it's like, wait, what oh, What are you doing here? Oh, oh, our base was just hit yesterday and... Lost half my men. We're on the run. Oh, by the way, there's toasters right behind us. And attack. So they have this great, uh, tense, 18-hour uh, well, standoff kind of thing. And then... All of a sudden, they realize the Cylons are just gone. They just left. What on earth is going on? And that's when we what see... What on Caprica is going on? <laughs> and that's when we see Brother Cavill, who should not be here, because he's also right now back on Galactica with President Rosalind. Uh, <laughs> this was the other part yes. where you exclaimed. Yeah. Well, so my exclamation was not that Brother Cavill was a silent. I actually was not surprised by that. What I exclaimed at was that then they show Boomer looking right at him and she just turns away. And I'm like, Boomer, he's right there. Say something to somebody. Come on. You, it's a perfect chance for her to get some goodwill with the humans and say, oh, yeah. Hey, by the way, there's one of those Cylon models you guys have been asking about. But no, nope, she turns away and, and just turns a blind eye to the whole event. What I think is cool is Cavill is still this religious guy. Even amongst this group. Is he religious? <laughs> he's posing as a religious man. Yeah. He's, and he's, it's, oh, <laughs> praise the Lord. We, well, see, this guy even prays, even though the the other cavil was had nothing but disdain for prayer. I, but still, he, that's his persona, is this religious guy. Okay. Um, anyway, so what's left of this a troop of people and these humans gets into their raptors and they're going to, they're going to head back. Uh, I don't remember, like, do they get back in this episode? So we've already crossed into part two. The 18 hour standoff starts at the beginning of part two. Is it part two? Thank you, Curtis. You should have, you should have corrected Joey earlier. He was doing it wrong. This is what happens when we turn control Uh, over Joey. He was on a roll. It's chaos. (laughs) Um, Okay, so back to the, the presidential debates. Debates. Uh, so they they found New Caprica, and this is this is Gaius's issue. This is the thing that he's going to use to win the election. We should settle. We should stop looking for Earth. We should settle here. Um, and the question that the I think that I, I wish that we had seen more of the question prior to this, because I thought that sounded like a really interesting question, which is. Do the scriptures hold real-world relevance for us today? We hear the tail end of that question being answered by Rosalind, and, and then the 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 planet comes up. Um, I thought it was really bizarre. It makes no sense that the moderator lets Baltar interrupt Rosalind in her 30 seconds of time and respond. 
Uh, okay, yeah, I'll give you 15 seconds. Okay, and now we're going to end the debate, even though I gave Rosalind 30 seconds and I stole 15 of that from her. Uh, exposition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the the question is still probably pretty good for, for our days, though. I mean, because a lot of what is our, you know, quote-unquote society, our Constitution, I think, borrows heavily from judeo-christian morals and values and so how much of those are we going to draw in and say okay yeah this is we should use this because it comes from this holy book nope blank stairs okay moving on (laughs) you didn't ever get to a question in there well the the question is the same that was posed there should we buy into this or is this just religious nut jobbery. So I believe that even if even if it turns out that there if it were to turn out there is no god, all of this is just witchcraft or whatever you want to call it, the things that we find in scriptures generally speaking are appealing to humanity to turn to our better nature at every opportunity. And that has value at any point in history, at any collection of people anywhere ever the the idea of you know what there there's a better side of humanity and we should strive to focus on that and to turn away from what we would call the natural man the 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 desire to get down and roll around with the pigs um i i think that in itself always has value whether or not you actually believe in the religious aspects of it the the moral and ethical lessons therein are still valuable the the fun difference here with this episode is the fact that their scriptures it seems to be like it's helping to lead them and point them on some very specific adventure you know physical path that they're supposed to go on versus the more moralistic one that you know is guiding us uh, today um i don't remember where this episode ends uh the episode ends with actually uh you're talking about part one? Yeah, part, part one. one. It, it ends with the, the, the explosions yeah. around Anders. Yes. and Yeah. Okay. Because my last note is, blah, more Anders? <laughs> uh, okay. Should, let's see. We've got some listener comments. Okay. Pull this open. And uh, let's see here. Oh, my friend John Madsen says, Cavill's here. Yay. And with him, um, the final humanoid Cylon is revealed. Yep, we now know all seven Cylons. (laughs) Is that why he gives everything a seven? (laughs) Maybe it is. Uh, Let's see here. Let's do Mark here. He says, uh, hey, guys, I thought of a prize you all could possibly give out. It might uh, not be too hard for you to record an outgoing voicemail message to give out as prizes. I'm sure you could come up with something pretty fantastic. You could even do requests. Uh, maybe you could even get some play, uh, some paying work doing voiceovers for television or radio ads. Actually, we've been saving that for our Kickstarter campaign. <clears throat> yeah, well, you've already got the... <laughs> The stuff to put that together there, You're Joey. A filthy liar. <laughs> hey, I gave you the text. You go with it. 
Uh, let's see here. Uh, question for Pete. Did you notice the Cylon count on my list last week? No, I'm sorry. I didn't, Mark. I apologize. Um, also a question for Joey. Does the order of Cylons relate to rank? I.e. Leoban number two, outrank Sharon no. number eight. No. I've actually mentioned this before on the podcast where I, that was my initial assumption, but we've seen how a particular Sharon might seem to, for some reason that we don't understand, be ranked higher in the social, social order than another Sharon. And sometimes the six is in charge, and sometimes the eight is in charge, and sometimes Leoban is crazy. Oh, wait, no, that's always. He continues, lay down your burdens part one. How awesome is it that the fleet has a renegade skin job, Cylon, that wants nothing more than to prove her loyalty to humanity? I still don't understand why it took so long for Starbuck to push forward her plan for a rescue mission. After uh, after last week's episode where Roslyn wants more humanity, wouldn't the president be supportive of a rescue mission to Cylon-occupied Caprica? New Caprica didn't look that inviting to me. President Ro- Roslyn should have proposed a two-year trial period. That way the fleet could see what it is like to live on the planet, and when it turns out to be pretty dreary... They could simply abandon it and continue looking for Earth. It would also be a great opportunity to restock the fleet's supplies. You have at least a little sympath—you uh, have to be at least a little sympathetic to Chief Tyrrell's predicament. He was unknowingly fracking a Cylon, after all. That would make anyone at least a little crazy. What do you all think of the atheist preacher, Brother Cavill? Any takers? Anybody want to comment on Cavill? I think Cavill? he's fantastic. I love the character. Okay. Curtis, what do you think of Cavill? I, I like Cavill. Big fan. Yeah. Okay. Are, yeah. Are we doing comments on the on this listener comment? After, yeah, you bet. The, okay. You can comment on all right. anything I, I, uh, ever. You know, I forget the, the format of the podcast. Yes. Um... um Chaotic and spastic. <laughs> um, there was something that you just read that I wanted to comment on. It was uh, oh the 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 sure. colonization and settlement of oh. uh, New Caprica. So I always I I I, I really like the idea of a two year trial. I I was always confused of why didn't they just split the fleet and have some of the civilians settle on. New Caprica while they continued the search for Earth. I don't understand why that wasn't on the table. At oh, any point. yeah. Because Gaius Baltar is a tyrant. <laughs> but but that wouldn't have stopped Roslyn from yeah, proposing yeah, it. You're right. I mean, there's, there's lots of things that, you know, looking back, we could have proposed, but unfortunately, that's not where the writers probably wanted to take sure, us. Sure, sure. But yeah, that's, a, you know, another perfectly reasonable idea to suggest. Um, Oh, you should run for politics. <laughs> I'm too moderate. I won't make it out of the primaries. <laughs> uh, he says television six, sci-fi eight. Okay, Brainy. Let's see here. I really wish that we wouldn't have reviewed both these episodes in the same week. This is because I so wanted to make Joey think that the priest counseling the chief 
was actually another head Cylon. <laughs> so, <laughs> so enter number one. That would have broken me wide open. <laughs> you would have had to call the funny farm. <laughs> so enter number one. And alas, he is not just a figment of oh. Chief's imagination. What a great role, though. I also love the scene with Rosalind getting the giggles as a metaphor for her political aptitude. Weird guitar music again from Bear. Um, yeah, okay. That's it. Listener comments. Good job, guys. Okay. <sighs> Ratings. Well, what Pete, are we doing? You want to go first, and then Curtis, and then me. Science fiction, I'm going to give this a 7. Um, I think it's all really great science fiction. It's pretty good. Uh, I will give science fiction a seven also, but I'm going to say that I really, really hate the plugging in the coax the cable wrist. into the wrist. I think you it's don't a like total that. joke. Yeah. I, I love it. I don't like it. Especially, like, like if they're... What, what, what is that connecting to inside her? Yeah, that it, was it, what I asked the first time. Because they did if it. if Baltar hasn't been able to come up with some way to figure out the difference between human and Cylon on the fleet, what what is it that's different about her that she can just plug? Why can't I plug that into me and connect it to my brain? Maybe you could. It's terrible science fiction. <laughs> See, now, but when, apart from that, everything else was good. When uh, when we mentioned this the first time, Joey's like that. The, those are fiber optic cables. That's light going in there. Where is the light source going inside? And I said, well, don't you remember when her when number six's uh, spine glowed? So That's true. In the miniseries. There absolutely yeah. could be a reasonable way in which, through the magic of this Cylon <laughs> software and hardware, that we can manage uh. to make this work. It's totally believable. It's just like the Borg, really. Is it but, not? But why isn't why why is it so hard to detect a difference between human and Cylon? If that's the case, if they have things inside them that glow, the thing that's emitting light should be detectable. Yes, I agree. Uh, unless it is tissue, but if it would have to be a different tissue than what's in humans, so it's the same type of tissue, but it has some other special abilities. <laughs> These Cylons, they're pretty. <laughs> the they were engineered. <laughs> Brilliantly, I, I'm, with you 100%, I'm just gonna say it's bad science fiction, but it's okay. it's fine. It moves the plot along. I'm I'm okay with it from a storytelling <laughs> point of view. But I love it. It may be the most that that's why I'm giving it a seven is because of that. Pete's wearing the apologist's pajama bottoms. All right, <laughs> Joey, what about you? Uh, you know, I'd given it an eight, but I forgot about the handhold thing, so I'm coming down to a seven. Okay, everybody agrees with me. The handhold thing is great. That's why we're giving it a seven. <laughs> Sevens across the board. For television, I'm going to say a seven as well. This is good. Uh, I, I, I question the reason why we're going back to this planet. and Because it's... And in the end, it's just going to be a wash. Yeah. Like, the whole point of this planet was to hold Anders so we could get Kara Thrace back with Anders again. Yeah. That's the whole point of this. And it's uh I I'm it's disappointed by that. <laughs> I don't know. It's it goes back to the old military, you know, never leave a man behind. Even when we we send in a rescue team to rescue one guy and we lose some of the rescue team to rescue the one guy. Still the message is there. We'll never leave a man behind. So, they're going back 
because there are people still fighting. You know, just because it, it's a uh, solidarity. I will leave you all behind. <laughs> know that. All okay, right. You. Now, I, now I'm officially never going to be in charge or anybody's leader. <laughs> what leave you two behind? Uh, I might go back for listener M or maybe Brainy. <laughs> uh, what do you give for a rating, Curtis, for television? Um, I, I, I'm I'm rattling around with an eight. I I think okay. the scenes with Tyrrell, as much as I don't really care for Tyrrell, I think that those mm-hmm. are really. Those are solid. some emotional scenes. There, some really well done. Uh, both the you know, mo- mostly just the interview, and then just the flashbacks with the the dream. Just really some good good TV. Great so. point. I mean, because you can't discount how awesome Dean Stockwell yeah. is right. at all. Yeah, every level of his performance was brilliant. Yeah, played into everything. Everything was so perfect with him. Uh, I give this a nine, and mostly for for Dean Stockwell, I think, and and the interaction, Stockwell and and the guy who played Terrell play off each other really, really well in that scene. I think they did a fantastic job. Moving on to our next episode, Lay Down Your Burdens, Part Two. Gaius wins the election. Gina destroys much of the fleet with her nuke, and we jump one year forward, coming back to the story just in time to see the Cylons follow Gina's signal to New Caprica. Oh, so cool. I, I disagree with your assessment that it was a signal. Okay. Ah. I, I think it was just suicide. I think it was just suicide. A yeah. broken thing. But it was very uh, poetic that that humanity's torture of her brought the Cylons <laughs> back <laughs> to torture them. What a great point. I hadn't even considered that, Curtis. Well done. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty sweet stuff happens. Uh, this is an extra long episode. I think it's, uh, what, uh, a little over an hour? Yeah, I think it was an hour and 10 minutes on Netflix. Okay. 90 minute running time when it ran on the sci-fi channel. So we have a a great, uh, one-liner from Doc Cottle, as always. You gotta love a woman who can complain even with her jaw wired shut. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, talking to Callie. And and we have this this scene between Callie and Terrell where Terrell is trying to apologize, and Callie basically says, "I forgive you, and I've always loved you, and I want your Cylon baby." Well, she, he wasn't trying to apologize. She was saying, "I forgive you," and he was like, "No, no, no! You can't do that. You, I'm scum. I'm terrible. I'm this horrible person." And she's saying. No, 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 I'm I'm pretty much infatuated with you. Ever since you beat me, I'm in love with you. <laughs> oh, oh, terrible. No? <laughs> Too far? Too far. Uh, yeah. You, you know that thing we were discussing before where I said, is this inappropriate? Maybe you should have ran that <laughs> line past me. Your thing was far more inappropriate. I, I, uh, I'm good with where I went, so we, we can go. We can move on. I, I, I will say that I I think that scene was supposed to be sweet, but I I don't know. It had may, too much may, shades of yeah. of infatuation yeah. in there because I look at Callie as almost like this still like little teenage girl who just really hasn't grown up yet, and this is she thinks that this is all emotionally okay, and I I vehemently disagree with that. Okay. 
Uh, so we, we, you're right, Curtis. We we jumped ahead in the last recording because it's not until this episode that we even get to the uh, so the Anders Carathrace mutual suicide pact. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Where uh, you know, Sarah's well, like, I'm not going back to the farm. If they if they come, you do me, I do you. And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> I don't think that's going to work out very well. Yeah. I mean, if you if one does the other one first, <laughs> how can the other one do I think you have the to count, count down to yeah. 2 2 1, but uh I just felt like they okay. should have they should have stated that within the episode because otherwise you shoot the first one and then it's like, "Oh, crap, he can't shoot me now." <laughs> Unless you get a, a round robin sort of thing, everybody in there is like, "Okay, I'll shoot you next, and then you shoot me." But next. there'll still be one at the end, right? <laughs> yeah, that person is the one that has to commit suicide. Oh, okay, that's the, that's the one. That's the one. No, 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 that's the one who's actually guilty of any sin. The rest were just mercy killings <laughs> because they don't want to be taken captive by the silence. The one who commits suicide is the one who's truly evil. That's the part I didn't understand is why the need for a mutual suicide pact? Why don't you just each off yourselves whenever you feel like this is the point at which it's hopeless? It's more romantic? I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she's worried she'll do it wrong if she tries to kill herself. <laughs> well, she, she did miss her chance, one chance to kill Lee. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, we also get uh, a great line from from Kara that I don't remember if we've heard this before, but certainly over the course of this episode, it becomes a running theme. What are we going to do now, Pinky? I mean, Kara, we're going to fight them until we can't anymore. I always just wanted her to say, try to take over the world. <laughs> but, you know, th- this one works too. We're going to, we fight them until we can't fight anymore. Uh, but again, we we... We see the Cylons have left. We find out that uh, Brother Cavill is a Cylon. And now we're back to the presidential election. And they're talking about how New Caprica has become this big issue. And her campaign manager is trying to convince her, look, you've got to address this and you've got to find a better message than fear. And Rosalind's response is, well, I'm just giving the people the facts. And I I, I just think it's interesting. She gives the, uh, the electorate too much credit for making good decisions, in my opinion. Uh, and, and I'm reminded of the uh, the despair.com demotivator with uh, everyone, they got their hands all in the middle and it says like, teamwork. And then the line underneath it is, none of us is as dumb as all of us. <laughs> 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 you know, people individually can be smart. Person individually can be smart. People as a whole, generally pretty dumb. <laughs> we don't make such great decisions in large groups. Um. Well, and you have to take into account that as president, she's privy to a lot of information that other people aren't. Yeah, that's true. Experience a lot of things, making decisions. That... So we have the the fleet returns from Cylon, or from Caprica from Cylon, and uh, we find out that Cavill is here because he's got a message. He's here. He he <laughs> walks into it, admits he's a Cylon. And, and so then they take him to the brig and they bring the other Cavill in and he's like, what are you guys doing? I'm not a fracking silent. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and the interaction between the two Dean Stockwells, I think is one of the ho- most hilarious moments of this in the first two seasons. It, Just, it's, it's some of the best uh, acting that we see here because 
these two people, these this one person is Plays acting himself with himself. Well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it it flows so naturally. There isn't any awkwardness like I'm holding my pause too long. I should be talking now. Everything was just so smooth and I really, really appreciated the entire uh, cast of, of people and the production staff who could manage to make that look so, so seamless. Yeah, seamless. that was yeah. really good. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. Uh, it just made me wonder, wonder how many other actors in Hollywood would look much better if the only people they had to play against in the scene was themselves. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that I don't think Dean Stockwell is a fine actor, by the way. Uh, okay, so we have the election and we have... D for some reason. And Wait, did we mention what the the message once was from the? Oh silence? no, we didn't. We didn't. That's kind of a big yeah, deal. Yeah, important because they're basically saying, "Okay, we admit that we made a mistake." Yeah, or I, I, made I, a couple mistakes. I liked the line that he says. You know, we we got fixated on this idea that we were the children of humanity, and so rather than go out and try to find our own destiny and be the best robots in the galaxy, we tried to steal your destiny and your purpose. And that was wrong. That was a mistake, and, and we admit that. And so he says, you guys are you're free to go your own way. You have a reprieve is what he says. Instead of trying to become you, or instead of trying, in our, in our quest to destroy you, we became you. Isn't that what yeah. he says? Yeah, he does say that. Yeah. Kind of the, you look too long into the abyss kind of sure. Nietzschean concept. Yeah. So uh, there's kind of a truce now. So good. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. And it turns out that the, the six and the eight that we know are actually, they've managed to be very instrumental in this process. Um, they have convinced all the other Cylons due to their popularity. They've convinced all the other Cylons or at least enough of the other Cylons. This was a mistake that they've actually left Caprica. Now at that point you have to wonder, wait, why don't they turn around and go back to Caprica? <laughs> oh, I don't wonder that that place is radioactive. They'll die. So the, I don't even see okay. Caprica as an uh, as an option. The the place is going to be lost for you know. It obviously isn't all that radioactive though because Anders' crew managed to get through it just fine. No, they None were taking terminal cancer. No, they were taking uh, anti radiation medication the whole time they were, were there. Were they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I forgot that. All right, my bad. Okay, so the election. Um. D and Ty and the campaign manager are in a conspiracy, and probably some other people, to rig the election for President Rosalind. Yes. And Rosalind is not directly involved, but is tacitly involved, having given her acquiesced to yes. a suggestion. Yeah, to Tori. But um, there's always a comp- oh, victory strategy. Yes. Uh, I I just I don't understand out of all the characters they picked why Dwala would involve herself in this. I thought she was a more more moral upright person than that. From what little we've seen of her, yeah, she's kind of an enigma sometimes. She 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 seemed to have this very strict moral code, and I thought that was odd that that was for her. I don't okay know. I uh, I don't think she did anything wrong. She was just. What? She was just beautiful in the whole scene. <laughs> she did nothing I wrong. Um, okay. I would I would say if I were going to play the role of the apologist here that um, she is a dedicated military um, personnel and she sees that 
Rosalind is the only real choice to oh, maintain sure, yeah. the yeah, military because submission. When it's everything finally comes out, that's kind of Rosalind's defense is we cannot let this man get in control yeah. of right. the fleet. And in that scenario, I could see why somebody that we see as a normal, solid individual who is pretty well put together is, you know, is going to break ranks and, you know, do something so, so bad. You know what? I have another reasonable way that she could have decided to do this out of love for uh, Billy. Huh? Maybe, uh, maybe a little bit L- of a uh, little bit of uh, yeah. yeah I'm, gonna, I'm gonna help out the the president here because Billy's not here to do it. That's plausible. Probably not the case, but still, right. we can fill no. in reasons for the writers. There's yeah. no problem with that. Feels good <laughs> when we do that. <laughs> so, uh, but Gata discovers this. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That snoopy little. <laughs> you Gata. don't like Gata? <laughs> no, Way to go, Gata, for being smart enough to recognize when there's a problem yeah. and being brave enough to say something about it. And not just say something about it to Ty, but when Ty obviously tries to sweep it under the rug, to go over Ty's head. That had to be hard to do, I think. Yeah. Probably Gutsy. a little scary. Because at that point, you have to be wondering, wait. What if the commander's involved? Because I actually... Well, I, I don't know if either of you caught me saying it, but when when Adama goes to Rosalind and Rosalind admits to being involved, and she's basically, without so many words, imploring Adama to join her in this conspiracy, I said, oh, so they're going to pin it all on Gaeta. I thought <laughs> that's, that's right. where they were going to go. I thought that's where this story was headed. I'm like, yep, that, you just blame it all on Gaeta. <laughs> um. I don't see how they would be able to blame it all on Gata, but it's examples like this that make me love Gata so much. That's why he is my favorite character. Um, or, I don't know if he's my favorite, because Gaius is just so brilliant. Um, <laughs> I love Gaius. It, it is... Like, I just... He, re, he reminds me of the type of person I want to be. He's the Eddie Willers. Type of character who's just good, dedicated, honest individual. And, you know, if if Dagny Taggart is Adama, then Gaeta is Is Eddie Willers. Willers. Sure, I can see that. Okay, so we have, after the rigged election, we have this comment from Zarek, which I, I took issue with. Where he says, you know, I've seen a lot of elections, some of them clean and some of them rigged. And you know how you can tell the rigged ones? Because they don't make sense. For my part, no election where the person I was pulling for lost has ever made sense. I I don't understand how people vote the way they do. It doesn't make sense to me. So I don't know how that that line just didn't jive with me. I stopped voting years ago and everything (laughs) has been making sense ever since. It's not my fault that everything's a mess. I didn't vote those knuckleheads in. <laughs> you what? did through your lack of showing up. <laughs> prove it. I don't. I can't prove anything against you, Pete. But Thank I can you. offer a counterpoint to Joey, which is almost as good in my mind. Oh. <laughs> um. So, I think that Zarek's point was, you know, your polls and and uh, just statistics. 
when there's some suddenly like a weird anomaly in there as was represented by one ship suddenly having a, a very large um percentage of votes going to Roslyn as opposed to all the you know all the all of the other ships in the fleet kind of had a i'm sure they had a fairly reasonable consensus or or maybe it was like this you know in the united states Party you, know, you know utah's gonna go republican you know mm-hmm. new york's gonna go democrat for one state to suddenly go heavily towards Roslyn, it just feels wrong and it raises a red flag for you statistically florida you know, it goes against the polls yeah, yeah. everybody <laughs> would be f- i mean everybody would be floored if all of a sudden utah sent its what two um, electoral votes to the Democrats. Right. Florida it, in the last presidential election? A Florida has been <laughs> back and forth, though, for it's a, a long 50-50 time. It's a 50-50 state. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those weird swing states where they can't make up their mind. <laughs> I, I I mean, you, you're bringing up Florida in 2012, and I was thinking Florida in 2000, when, <laughs> when obviously <laughs> Al Gore was robbed. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so... Uh, uh, Gaius is now president. Uh, he decides not to pursue this. Oh, I should I, I Sorry, I did want to mention. Rosalind tells Adama, look, I saw him with the blonde Cylon on Caprica right before the attack. And she, in fact, confronted Baltar about yes, that. We didn't, right, we didn't did. cover that. but Yeah. Uh, I think she confronts Baltar. Oh, you're right. We did skip over that. Yeah. Because she wants him to table the issue of the planet. Yes. Uh, which why would he? He it's, it's his, his only it's leverage. On, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I don't understand what she thought that the strategy was. There. I mean, if she would have blackmailed him with the the six thing. I think that might have actually been a valid strategy. But to go in with no ammo and then as he's walking out the door, ask the question. I thought that was kind of bizarre. Yeah, but uh, so now we have Gaius as president, and already he's kind of a megalomaniac right away. Um, he's he's officious and giving orders and things like that. He's like, okay, we're all going to go and we're going to land on the planet and I'm not going to take any no for an answer, not even from Gina. Is that actually her name in the episode? Did they ever say that she's named Gina? But I know we've talked about her. Um, referred to I, her she's, that's what she's known. That's what this model is known as uh, or this unit okay. of that model. Okay. Um. So he is there and he's seeing, he's like, well, you know, it's probably going to be a while before I can come back to see you. Obviously, but it's going to be great. We're all going to be together down on the planet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and wait, I'm not going. I'm not going. And I knew right then that she was planning to set off the new guy. So the, I don't see how guys could ever possibly think that he's going to be able to have a relationship with her. Because as soon as anyone who... Is has been on the main bridge, sees her. Well, they've spread pictures of her, all the known Cylons across the fleet, haven't they? I don't think they have. Because yeah. if that were the case, all of the people that had been working with her before would have been able to say, oh my gosh, you're a Cylon. They're Cylon they, sympathizers. Yeah, they're Cylon sympathizers. Yeah. They, they were not. If you guys remember that episode, and you made this mistake last time, it was that she said... Hey, there's only so far these people will go. I cannot admit that to them that I am a Cylon. Hmm. She I, says that within that episode. All right. I, I thought I remembered a, a 
episode in the first season where they spread pictures of her around, but I could be wrong. So maybe it was just Leoben and the PR guy. I can't remember. His I think name. it may have just been those two. But why they don't ever bother to show her picture around seems foolish. Like yeah. anytime they know anything about any of the Cylons, they should be saying, "Be on the lookout for this one." And but they they don't. I don't see how guys can possibly intelligently think that he can ever have a relationship with her because of this. Well, it's I, wishful thinking. I, yeah. I think I think he's I think he's just lost it at this point. He he is on the power trip. He thinks that he can do no wrong at this point. Oh yeah, I can openly love a Cylon and no one no one's going to be able to stop me cuz I'm the president. Well, he genuinely has feelings for her, I think. He he's been he has something it's tough There's, to know with guys whether or not they're actual real feelings yeah. or if this is just yeah. uh lust um, yeah okay you know the the chemicals sure. going yeah. crazy in, in his I, body I, I don't think he has genuine feelings for her because of what we see here shortly on new caprica it's my thought um okay so they they have the the love making scene between gaius and and gina and I thought it was interesting that the music choice that they made for that, which is the the opening sequence, um, ding 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 ding, sound effect with the the piano playing and, and building the tension that they always use when they're like they oh, have that's, a plan. Yeah, this, that the Cylon music. music yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting to play that right in there because that's like the most ominous part of the opening sequence. <laughs> Plus, it was wasn't it interspersed with scenes of uh, him taking his oath yes, of office, yeah, it was. It was like with no something bad going on. That would have been so awesome. I, it's not explicitly stated, but I you kind of think like it happens right after he gives the oath that she blows up. Yeah. the the ships. It, well, she's it's not explicitly undressed. said one way or another. I I got the impression she was listening to him give his oh, address yeah. over the radio and as the bomb was ticking. Yeah, so yeah, I I, that's what it, it, it's a cooler um, way of writing that particular that that part of the episode. If if it all happens at the same time, yeah, this massive explosion, which I don't think we ever find out exactly how many ships get ex- uh, get um, nuked. Yeah, exploded. Uh, destroyed that's the word i'm looking for <laughs> um but it's a lot yeah. and it's awesome it's awesome to see such a that destructive wave that yeah massive destructive because it, it was wave. cloud nine that that she was in when she went and so there's a lot of matter there for that nuke to interact with yeah i felt that this is where the season should have ended this is where I wanted to stop it when we were okay watching it before. This is the bomb? <laughs> yes, the bomb going off. Thank goodness we stopped it when we did. Yeah. We were at the office in a oh. glass-walled room, and people <laughs> were walking by. Uh, yeah, that uh, that love scene with the two of them would have been very awkward to explain. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, boss, I... Uh, oops. We're... Yeah. It's okay. It was on cable. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so we then we have Adama explaining to Gaius, yeah, we think they stole the nuke from your lab, and uh, 
you know, we, we need to rethink uh, what you're planning to do here. Gaia says, nope, I don't have to listen to you. I'm the president. Land now. Everyone go live a civilian life. Uh, and then he puts his head down on the desk and he lifts it up and we are one year later. And we see Gaius living in what I would call the depths of depravity as the president. He's got women, he's got drink, he's got drugs, and he's just a tyrant. You know, uh, it starts with Gaeta sitting there saying, "Hey, you know, you got the you got the union leaders. They want they they want to know what your decision is." And he, his response is, "Tell the union to get to work, more or less, or I'll start rounding up their leaders." That's his. That's his solution is to just threaten people. I assumed you would start cheering his uh, um, his decisions. Style? Yeah, yeah. Get the get the workers back to work. That's what they should be doing there. They should be grateful they have jobs at all. It's sometimes the the way in which you deliver the message is more important than, or at least as important as the message itself. Saying. Look, I'm going to deal with this problem by just threatening to throw everyone in jail is a huge issue because it means I have no regard for anyone else's thought thought process and and basically you're asking for a revolution. And that's the very epitome of Gaius Baltar. <laughs> yes. Um and uh it 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 seems weird that he has managed to surround himself with these incredibly attractive women. Yeah, where were they, where have they been in the last two seasons? I right? don't know. There <laughs> <laughs> are lots of attractive women. They on were this all week. on one one of those ships. Was actually like <laughs> the whorehouse ship. <laughs> thank goodness that was not the well that that was Cloud Nine. That was the whorehouse. Yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, anyway, thank goodness that uh, their ship wasn't the one that, that went uh, up. That went up. <laughs> Uh, what else? Uh, uh, so now we're down on the planet, and we see a couple things. We see Starbuck, w- with whom married life, in my opinion, does not agree. She is looking terrible here. I, I actually think she finally looks attractive. Really? That's because you like long hair. I like long hair. Okay. And she she looks like a woman. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I just don't think uh, that uh, the short hair is doing her any favors at all. Well, for Katie Sockhoff, I don't think trying to emphasize the fact that she's a woman does her any favors either. I, wow. I like Starbuck. She looked, good in a, <laughs> she looked better in a space uniform than she does in domestic female clothing, in my opinion. Uh, I don't see the okay. difference. You know, okay. But she's still naggy old Starbuck. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she still has just as many problems as she did before. We see uh, Tyrrell as the... Communist leader. He's uh, a union leader. <laughs> right. Same thing. <laughs> they certainly, tr- again, they tried to make him look kind of like a, a little bit of a communist. Like classic movie communist teacher, you know, leading the radical revolt against the bourgeoisie. I mean, that's, even, the, that's the portrayal they gave. Even the way he was talking, the yes. words that he yes. was saying was like... The blood on the they, machine. Why yeah. are they doing this? Yeah. It reminded me of Rain Wilson's speech as Dwight when he was doing the, the Salesman of the Year Award. Blood alone turns the wheel of history. Uh, yeah, they were a little over the top there with his speech. Uh, Callie's pregnant. Yeah. Looks like it's probably Terrell's. Just the way they're kind of... Huggy face, kissy bear. There, yeah. I'll, I'll give this away for you. Yeah, they're they're together. They're together. Okay. Yeah, 
Are they going to name their daughter Hera? <laughs> 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 um, okay, so we know that uh, Anders is, has pneumonia. He's very sick. And when, when Kara's trying to get the medicine, she's told, well, go ask Apollo. He's up on Pegasus. He's got the medication. And yeah, so not everybody went down to right. the planet. Yeah, we see we see Galactica and Pegasus, and several other ships are well. We, but I mean, we see on board those two ships. Mm-hmm. There's like a skeleton crew running those things. The hallways are empty. We hear Adama's heels clacking and echoing down the hallway as he's walking down, and mm-hmm. there's a light bulb that's going out, and he stops and stares at it for a second, so that we all get the idea we are not in a state of combat readiness. <laughs> Uh, but apparently something happened between Apollo and Kara in the past year. And it, it's been a while since it happened because uh, when she's talking to Ty, who Adama sends Ty down to the planet, says, look, it's time for you to leave the ship. Go down and try and make a life for yourself down there. And so Starbucks sees him and she goes to him and says, hey, can you can you help me cut through the red tape and get some medicine for Andrews here? And he says, well, he's the one who suggests, well, go talk to Apollo. She's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And Ty's answer, Ty's response is, look, that was a long time ago. People change. But it's only been a year. So whatever happened between them for it to be a quote unquote long time ago had to happen pretty soon after the events that we stopped watching. So uh, hopefully we will get to know eventually what happened between those two. Um, and also D obviously is carrying a huge chip on her shoulder about Kara. Um, we see that Rosalind is teaching. I think that's great. It's fantastic. Uh, I think it was a poor decision to so closely associate herself with the person who's raising Hera, now named Isis. Code name Isis. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that sounds like a fun video game. I like to play. Yeah. Um, well, the, the only person that would ever suspect is up on Battlestar Galactica, right? Hilo, I mean, Hilo, and um, well, Sharon are on Battlestar Galactica. Okay, I don't, I don't know, I didn't know that Sharon was there. That's what I was going to say. Well, I guess we didn't, we didn't I, see where I Sharon was. Way in no. the world, Sharon goes down to the planet. Okay, especially if Hilo's up yeah. on Galactica. He's the only. He's the only one who actually yeah. likes and trusts her. Well, I could, I could see a, a scientific reason for Baltar bringing her down. Like he wants her near him to study her, and he's too busy on. Be, being a tyrant. Yeah. <laughs> Living off the, the backs yeah. of the proletariat. That's right. <laughs> um, anyway, so, here, and here we go. The Cylons are here. The fleet makes the decision. We're going to jump away, and hopefully there will be something left for us to come back to after we've ran and come back at some point. When we're when we are yeah, they're, they're all so rusty. They figure it'll just be a suicide mission to try and do anything at this yeah. point. But uh, the silence come down, and there's the six and the eight. We get the strong impression that these are the war heroes, and that they are here. And they say, "Look, if you don't resist, no harm will be done to you." Although I take issue with that statement because it was less than an hour ago. That Brother Cavill suggested the attack on Caprica was no harm done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we only basically wiped out the entire human race. No harm done, right? Let's all all go our separate ways. (laughs) Everything's good. We got what we wanted. (laughs) I'm curious to know what happened to Cavill. 
what we don't happened know, we to don't those know where two? The, we don't know where the cabals are. We don't yep. know where Boomer is. Or well, Shan she is. the president ordered them to be tossed out in airlock. Uh, she made a suggestion. She I said, don't remember. She said I, something I, like, the only thing to do with these two now is to put them out the airlock yeah. and let them see if their god exists. I took that for an assumption that she was ordering them to be executed. I didn't take it as that strong of a of an order. Okay. And I don't I don't know. Okay. We're well, gonna, we'll see what season three holds for us. Three. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. I actually okay, think this well, would have the, been a great place to end the series. Brother, <laughs> it's a terrible place to end this series. Just with the uh, silence coming and enslaving all of humanity. Full circle. <laughs> end of story. <laughs> okay, uh, Pete, do we have any listener comments? Yes, we do have uh, a couple. So let's see here. Crap, crap, crap. Why did that close? Listener Mark, listener M. He says. Before Tyrrell gets involved with another chick, I think he's going to make sure she is definitely not a Cylon. You can never be too careful, after all. Does Joey think that Callie will turn out to be a Cylon? No, I think Tyrrell's a Cylon, and they're going to have another Humanilon hybrid. So your theory about the the Cylons being the women trying to get with the, the men... All of my previous theories are... Torn up and thrown in the trash can. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> what did Apollo think would happen when he went to Starbucks quarters with Anders there? Yeah, that was a weird scene. I, I, I mentioned it at the time to you guys. I'm like, that's going to be trouble. I can only assume he didn't know that Anders was in there. Yeah, he was there, he was there to congratulate Starbucks. Right? Yeah. So I don't think that he consciously knew that Anders was there and was therefore walking into a awkward scene wouldn't Tory Foster have a better way lined up to rig the election involving more ships in the fleet instead of just one when one conspires to steal an election you probably try and make the outcome plausible as, as possible hey Mark let's uh let's take that discussion offline shall we <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you have some great ideas there <laughs> Anyhow, now that humanity found a new home, they can build a new life for themselves and their children. Also, wouldn't it be better if people actually work to build a new civilization instead of hang out at union meetings? <laughs> there should have been more infrastructure built than we saw, what with all the technology these people have. Perhaps the people who actually want to work left the main fleet and moved to Galt's Gulch to get away from the socialists. <laughs> they are probably doing much better than the people we see. They probably have enough resources to be able to just pay tax to the Cylons during the occupation. <laughs> Television 8, Sci-Fi 8. Anyway, have a great weekend. Great listener. Um, good yeah. stuff. Uh, let's see here. Brainy. I will never, never, ever forget how compelled I was the first time I watched the scene where Rosalind is confronted by the old man, exposing her as a cheater. Almost performance is sublime. He looks so hurt by her betrayal. Uh, Rosalind also, let's see, the, mm, I don't remember the actress's name, also does a brilliant job looking sheepish with Mary. her hand caught in the cookie jar. 
This scene forever solidified, in my mind, William Adama as a paragon of integrity and resolute vigilance toward earning the moral right to serve as a, survive as a species. And so I say in many situations, what would the old man do? <laughs> yay for the old man, and double yay for his real mustache. What a sweet way to end a season, with a time jump. Very original. Sci-Fi 10, TV 10, Music 9. Wow. Uh, hold on, before you get into Joey's final five. If Adama is such a paragon of virtue, why doesn't he actually expose what really happened and clean house? He made the correction. I think he understood the reasons behind it. I think he even believes the reasons behind it. And there's no... I, I there, it, there's no cause to to what end he was giving uh, the president a chance to change your mind i think it taints the act i, I don't think he's all that virtuous what what are, what are they going to do with those people anyway then at that point arrest them and do what with them Th- put them in jail yes i you you have a society here that you're going to need to rebuild i think you need all the people you can get you don't need that kind of people he's going to arrest Rosalind, tory ty the, the two soldiers who are carrying right. the thing. I can see that Joey is a man who is committed to his cause. I think he just wanted to give Rosalind a chance to fix her own mistake. He made the correction. He got the right thing done, which was to count the correct votes, which clearly put Gaius Baltar in the president's seat. So I have no problem with him... Protecting so, uh, those people. So you think as long as a criminal makes restitution, it doesn't matter if they actually have to admit what they did? Only if the entire fate of humanity is on the brink of extinction. Okay. So, so given also... given that scenario, yeah, uh, there's going to be a lot of slaps on the wrist. Okay. We're going to need everybody we can get. This is a fleet with a lot of forgiveness in it. <laughs> What a beautiful saying, Curtis. The, you, I, I can't say anything more than that because there's <laughs> there's so much more to come. <laughs> okay. Joey's final five. Is Gaius or Rosalind better suited for the job of president? Rosalind. Is number one being genuine in the Cylon change of heart? Yes. Number three. Who will rise up against the occupation and who will submit? Okay, definitely Kara's going to rise up. Tyrell's going to rise up. Callie's going to rise up. Um, Anders is going to rise up, but he's sick, so it's not going to help much. Gaius, obviously, submit. Uh, Rosalind, rise up. Ty? Uh, Ty. Ellen, Ty will submit. Colonel Ty will rise up. Okay. Who, who am I missing? I don't think. I think we got the major, that, that's, major that's ones. most of them. By the way, I have to note, I did not recognize that Leoban thing that came in and said he's looking for Carathrace. That did not look like the Leoban that I remember. His hairstyle may be a little bit different. Okay. Uh, it seemed a little fuzzy on the TV. But. Yeah. Yeah, of course it is Anders who was groggy from, yeah. from his illness. Number four. Who is your favorite character so far? Yeah, five seconds. 
five, four, three, two, one. Those weren't seconds. <laughs> okay, now Doc five... Coddle. All Doc right. Coddle. <laughs> I like the man. Good choice. Gets a great line every episode he's in. I can't think of one scene where he isn't brilliant. He steals the scene every time. Okay. Um, number five. What song will Ron Moore choose to represent humanity? We are the champions. Okay. All right. <laughs> Good answer. All right. All right. That's the end. Uh, okay, Joey, what do you give this for television or uh, science fiction? For science fiction, I gave this a nine. I think the with the nuke going off, with the silence coming back, uh, there, there's so many moving pieces to this episode. The, the jump forward in time. I'm giving it a nine. Curtis, I, I I I agree with Joey. Nine. I, I give it a nine as well. The explosion is cinematically just awesome, yeah. and I like that uh, the two Cylons when they get together the Cavils. Yeah. You know, it's a, a fantastic scene to have them working together, and then the whole Cylons. I don't know why I'm not giving this a ten, but I nine. It's solid. For TV, I'm also giving this a nine. Uh, I think Pete, some of the things that you mentioned there under the science fiction rating, I considered in my science in my TV rating instead. I also think that the the delivery by I can't remember is it Mary McCormick or Mary McDonald, one of the two. McDonald. Rosalind, President Rosalind. Yeah. The delivery that she gives as President Rosalind, um, you know that she's complicit in what happened the moment it happens, and and Adama's on the phone with her, and she's even like. Hey, uh, we're going to talk later. <laughs> uh, and, and then the scene between her and Adama fantastically played on, on both parts. Uh, just fantastic, fantastic stuff. I'm giving it a nine. Um, I'm giving this a five for te- television. Ooh, really? Yeah. The um, sex scene? No. <laughs> um, mostly just because I thought it was a terrible season closer and the pacing uh, yeah. was really bad. Um, everything's really tight and well done up until the explosion. And then it just feels like that last 15 or 20 minutes where we get the year after just kind of drags on. There's no urgency to anything that's mm-hmm. happening. It feels almost like a... I don't I don't know. It just feels really slow-paced after everything that's happened up to that point. And the silence coming back, disappointing. I don't know. It, the first time I watched through the the show and got to this point, I needed to take a break from from watching it for a while because I was disappointed with how this season ended. Okay, Cavill lied, I think, um, because I I just don't think that he is. It's clear he's lying to them before. It's like, no, 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 I'm not a silent. Yep, okay, sure. yeah, I am. Um, I think he is the type of person who's just going to mislead. Um, I, I understand everything that you say about the way that it just kind of falls blah after the explosion. Yeah. I mean, that's intense, right? Phenomenal sort of thing to, to have happen to this fleet because they would have lost potentially tens of thousands of people depending on how large those other ships were. Um, but it's setting up what is truly disheartening if you're this, you know, human being, which is, oh, crap. 
Yeah, I don't we're, know how we you can are, say blah. We, we are absolutely decimated now. We watched the Cylons march into yes. the camp. And, and this, it's this like endless line of them. Yeah, and Tyrrell says, well, Captain, what are we going to do? And she gives her you know, blessed line that Joey loves so much. The, the rest of the fleet that's out in the stars, they jump away. They're like, we can't do anything about this, but we'll come back. I think that's solid. That's powerful. I give this a nine as well. Um, I, I, I love. I end up loving this. The whole thing about the the end of season two. You know, Curtis. One thing I could see uh, some people having trouble with is it's a it's a complaint I heard a lot about the uh, Peter Jackson Return of the King, the multiple endings problem. I actually enjoy that. I think it's fun when there's multiple endings. I can just choose the ones that I like and ignore the rest. <laughs> but I can see how that might bring bring it down for you. Yeah, I, I, I love Return of the King with its multiple endings, but I just felt like on a season finale, I want to feel desperate to get that next episode. And I kind of felt like, uh, all right, here we go again, Cylon and Cylon occupation. I, I didn't really feel at the end of the episode like I was... I just didn't feel compelled to find out what happened next. Moving on to season wrap up, we are going to wrap up season two. <laughs> Joey, what's your summary? Uh, it was good. Uh, I I don't. I'm 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 not like Curtis. I actually I think it was a good way to end the season, and it's got me excited to go watch now the next episode. If I had to wait all summer long to watch that next episode, <laughs> I would be so. Furious. It's why I wait for two or three years for TV shows to get ahead of me in a lot of cases before I even start watching them, because I just I can't take those long breaks like that and and stay engaged. I you know if if they take that long break, my engagement is going to suffer. And so I'm I'm excited that we get to just go next week. We start season three. Um, I dig this as well. This is really solid science fiction. Thing. It's, a, it's a full season. I mean, we get 20 episodes. This is more like a, a, a natural full season television show here. You know, it's not as full as Star Trek The Next Generation, which had 26. Uh, but And I guess a full episode, uh, full season would be 22, right? Um, most of the shows I've watched generally have 22 episodes yeah. in a full yeah. season. So this is pretty darn close. Um, I loved it. Every bit of it. Better than the BBC with their three season, ep- three episode seasons. <laughs> well, at least when it comes to Sherlock, certainly. Yeah. The, a lot of the good, the really good BBC shows have these weird, bizarrely short seasons. I, I actually kind of, I'm a big fan of the way the yeah. BBC has they they say we're going to tell this story. This yeah. is how many episodes going to take? We do it. Tell and a then they don't, story. they don't do anything else until they're ready to tell another story. So. Amen, Curtis. Uh, we don't have uh, much from a bunch of other listeners, uh, but Brainy did send in some of his lists. He said, don't have much time um, to wrap much, uh, for too much wrap-up. Favorite characters, the Adamas, Hottie, D, bit part goes to number one, or maybe face hole. <laughs> uh, favorite episode, um, downloaded and lay burdens down one and two. Yay for everyone. Ambassador Brandy Smurf. Brandy, very good as always. Um, so thank you very much for everything you sent in. 
You are great. Okay, what are we gonna do? Who's who's going what? Who's going where? Pete, why don't you kick us off with favorite extra or bit part? Okay, I think that oh, it's so tough to choose this because we get actually you know Dean Stockwell with um, you know Brother Cavill here, um, but I'm I'm gonna give this to Billy. It's an emotional choice. The poor guy died. He's not in there that much, not like he was in season one. And uh, I liked Billy. Okay. I am sad to see Billy the Cylon go. <laughs> um, he's he's a good kid. Curtis? Um, bit, part. bit part or extra? Yeah. I, I think I'm going to go with Doc Cottle, if he counts as a... That I counted him uh, last season, so why not? <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah, he's not in there yeah. that much, but every yeah. time he is there, doggone if he doesn't he, steal that. Yeah, he he lights up the scene when he when he's there. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, number one or Brother Cavill, Dean Stockwell, fantastic. Okay, Curtis, why don't you give us your most hated character? <laughs> All right, I have uh, written here Billy. <laughs> so, <laughs> this pure innocent boy how could you hate him you know i i haven't watched these episodes in quite a while but i remember um kind of being kind of rooting for him to get with d being a little disappointed in that episode um and then he dies and i was like that doesn't even make any sense they were like building up this whole mythology for him and how Rosalind was telling him how she reminded him of the president and yeah. then he just leaves the show. It turns out the actor wanted to go do movies or something. He thought he could. He didn't want to sign a five-year contract or something. It was just... I hate it. It just it annoys me. <laughs> Pete? Uh, let's see here. Hated... Oh, yes. Uh, what a surprise. Starbuck. Boo. Starbuck. Boo. Uh, I'm going to go with Fisk. It was... Uh, this is Kane's second in command. Yeah. That guy was just awful. There was nothing redeemable about Come that on, character. he gave his life to save Pegasus. <laughs> no, he was that a... was a different guy. That was the engineer. Oh, you're right. It was the engineer. Fisk was there. the guy that was involved with the black market you're right. before Lee took it over. Okay, I've got, I'm have got. i getting my Pegasus commanders mixed up because the... Yeah, there were three right in <laughs> yeah. rapid succession. Uh, okay, for Hot Chick, I'm going to go ahead and go with D. Pete? Um, I'm gonna have to say, I'm gonna give it to D as well this time around. She was, they made her look so beautiful. This is, except for the time that she had makeup on. Um, <laughs> that was horrid. The, uh, six was still smoking hot, but, you know, it just, I guess it wasn't as much in our face as it was that first season. Yeah. As uh, you know, such the stark red dress that she was wearing all the time in season one, and I just I fell in love, became infatuated with uh, with D. You know, I just that made me realize that whole thing with the dresses. I was so far out in left field with that. I had this whole theory about what the dress, different dresses meant. Uh. <laughs> Curtis, wait, 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 are you still back on uh, that? There's a no because there's no there's no people pulling the strings behind. The chip, 
that uh, there's no chip, so there's no one pulling the strings. <laughs> so the dresses mean nothing. Poor Joey. <laughs> His theories keep getting <laughs> disproved. I've all been imploded. <laughs> um, hot chick. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you have to give hands down raw sexuality to six. Yeah. Um, I I admit I I never gave up on Sharon through the you know she's she's at a low point right now in this series but <laughs> I, I gave up on her in what was it like the third episode <laughs> <laughs> I I but in the end you're gonna go with Ellen Ty right oh right yeah ah. high five <laughs> high five buddy man she is not looking good is she oh uh, <laughs> yes she is how does she possibly get in so in so much trouble with I don't understand but yeah. So, are you actually going to go with uh, Sharon then? Yeah, yeah. You know, if you, you guys seem to be high on D, and I liked D, but I, I think I always preferred Sharon. I didn't feel like this season she looked maybe that she, good. Maybe she wasn't at her best this season, but yeah. Okay. Okay, Pete, favorite villain. Oh, this is so tough because Gaius is the epitome of evil. <laughs> Uh, you know, because he's so selfish and self-absorbed. But I feel like we had someone worse, and that was Admiral Kane. I, I feel like she was just such a vile, despicable individual. And as we learned more and more about the things that she did to humanity, the yeah. people that she should have been helping to save, ugh, what a terrible person this was she would have been a great counterweight if kane had managed to live and gaius baltar becomes president what the two of them would have done (laughs) to humanity whoa or if the two of them would have even survived each other i think kane would have executed him (laughs) Uh, yeah there yeah it's very possible uh i am actually you know i i was leading Admiral Kane, and then I thought, you know what? No, Xenalon, I think actually is the the villain oh. that stands out. You just put that one together there. Yeah. You <laughs> You're like who's Xenalon? Um, what is that? Cylon, Deanna, Deanna. Yeah. So I'm still, you know, out of all the theories that were imploded, I, I still see no reason to drop the one that I my one of my pet theories, which is that the documentary she made about Caprica was really just an attempt to crush the spirit of the people on Caprica <laughs> to point out just how hopeless this whole thing really is uh, yeah. and, and just kind of rub their noses in it. And and then also the way she tried to manipulate Head 6 and Boomer, uh, Facehole Boomer, just it, it, we have yet to see that particular Cylon do anything redeemable and we've seen her do some pretty terrible things. Now, we, we've seen other Cylons do things that maybe are redeemable. I, I realize that's a 180 from what I said like two <laughs> months ago. But there it is, folks. I, I've, I've been turned around. Maybe the Cylons are redeemable as characters. <laughs> we've seen other Cylons that haven't been redeemed or done anything redeemable. But they haven't done anything that terrible either. Like the PR Cylon. I mean, the worst thing that guy's ever done is just kind of be a jerk in general to people. But he's that he's that way to the other Cylons too. So <laughs> that that's that's who I'm going with. I'm going with Xenalon. All right. I I thought it would be uh I thought it would be hands down Admiral Kane. She's just a 
um, just a, such a strong presence in the series. Um, it, she wouldn't be that bad if she hadn't, if it hadn't been for the fact that what she did to the civilian fleet that she had, which yeah. was to strip it down and say, you know what? <clears throat> Good luck to you. I'm taking what I can get. But she makes such a stark contrast to uh, the old man. You yeah. Know? Uh, it's just, just thinking about it just now, just reminded me of, uh, you know, in comic book characters, we often get the antithesis of the hero. You know, there's Batman and Joker and, and um, Superman and Lex. Sure. And always, you know, there's, it's almost like they're, they're a mirror of each other or, or they're, I could be that guy if I just crossed this one line and always felt that way with, uh, Adama Admiral, uh, Commander Adama. He, he almost made that same, the same decisions that Kane made, you know, he almost abandoned the civilians to go fight a war against the Cylons, but he, Something in him made him stop and listen Rosalind. to Rosalind, and <laughs> he. So he became a different person than Kane, but he very easily could have been yeah. Kane. And we wouldn't get that. We wouldn't be reminded of that. We, it wouldn't be so amazing. Like just the, without having Kane on the show, we wouldn't be able to make that comparison and see how far he's come in the two seasons. Okay, Pete, funniest moment. Okay, um, I can't pick anything uh, specific, so I'm just going to go with anything Doc Cottle does. <laughs> I unequivocally laugh when he manages. I mean, you have in Black Market where he's you know pulling out that gold ingot out of their you know this dead guy's mouth. He's like, "Well, if I find any more, I might go into early retirement." <laughs> you know, the got a little woman who can complain even with Oswires. Yeah, <laughs> uh, when, when he's uh, you know they're talking about the pregnant girl, he's like, "Boy, she sounds like she's got a real case for uh, asylum asylum here, doesn't she?" <laughs> you know how awesome is this man? I, I he's okay. he's the funniest thing about this, Curtis. I, I didn't get the memo on funniest part. But oh, okay. I, I um, my favorite part of uh, watching the shows was Joey's reaction to <laughs> <laughs> to Brother Cavill popping out of the ship and, uh, on Caprica. I think uh, the 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 more funny thing about that for me is him talking to the ether around him as the episode is happening as he's. Guessing what's happening, and oh, oh, look at that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, come on. Come on, guys. He's a Cylon. Why aren't you saying anything? Oh, Chief, you got to say something. I I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I, you had a great idea to manage to, to get us together to watch these together. <laughs> it was it was that, that's how it. i watch these <laughs> your poor poor wife <laughs> I, I, i'm thinking that if i if i do it just right if i get just the right note that maybe it will actually change the show to go the way i want it. <laughs> you have one magical television well, set. Hey, look it works for football <laughs> sometimes <laughs> uh okay for me i'm i'm gonna go with uh when head six draped herself over zarek I just thought that was hilarious. That was a yeah. awesome, awesome decision by the director to say, you know what? Or I don't know if it's the director or the actor, but whoever it was, just the way she just like cozies right up to him. I was like, oh, that is 
awesome. Like I said, I, I think that's a poster moment. There. I don't know if they're trying to say something about that. I don't know if the, they the, are Maybe the, the manipulative nature of the two of those characters... Or that are, Zarek are, knows are, what she is. ...are essentially one and the same. Yeah, I, I like... Like, 30 new theories popped into my head as soon as she touched him. I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this could mean everything. Or it could just mean nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's the one controlling the chip. Maybe there is no chip, and he and Ellen and the head six and the head Gaius aren't humans. They're not projections. They are shapeshifters. I'm I'm on the shapeshifter thing now. All right. That is, okay. that is my I'm new excited theory. to see where the shapeshifter theory goes. <laughs> this is going to be good. Okay, uh, Curtis, your top hated episodes. We usually go five up to one. Or you can uh, you can list as many or as little as you would like. So you don't I, feel like you have to do five. But usually okay. we do five. Uh, I only have one written down here is Black Market. I can't remember... Is, that's where Lee this takes over the black market. Y- yeah, I, I remember what that one was about. I'm trying to remember yeah, and, which and one his was his girlfriend, the... Siobhan. Yeah, that was it. Was even Wikipedia was like, "This is widely considered to be the worst episode of the <laughs> really? series." Yeah, uh, but um, the the episode about the abortion, I remember that one. Not not really caring for that one with the um, President Roslin having to decide. Sacrifice? I can't remember which one I don't that was. Remember either. Anyway, that that, that's all I got. Okay, Pete. Uh, my top three. Uh, I have number three, Black Market. It's terrible. Um, uh, this is just, you know, a, a plot recanned into another type yeah, of show. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, just Plus, blah. I hate it because I've always liked Lee and. He, you know, I want him to be a protagonist I can get behind, and then he's he's doing just stupid stuff in this episode that just uh, left a bad taste in my mouth. Number two is Scar. Um, no. Again, another one that is just you, you've I've seen this before. I thought it was terrible then. I think it's terrible now. Go hunt your white whale. Let's do it in space, <laughs> kind of thing. We get a nice. Uh, little rivalry between cat and starbucks that was terrible that was the worst part of the episode curtis (laughs) oh yeah i don't remember it's been a while since i watched it but i don't remember hating that so let let me help you they were terrible they were bad okay (laughs) i won't take your word for it (laughs) (laughs) uh number one for me is is sacrifice it was just such a terrible terrible episode episode yeah. i the, i i think i that was the lowest rating i've given all this uh season and that's the one where we have this lady who lost her husband and you know she heard about how sharon still exists and she wants this cylon and so she goes to cloud nine and she takes a bunch of hostages and it just so happens that oh, yeah. billy's there and ellen's there and kara's there and lee's there yeah <sighs> So, so, so dumb. Um, because, once again, we got a pigeonhole Starbuck in here is this person. <laughs> and thankfully, everything goes terribly awry because she starts touching things. You know, I, I really like the fact that she's now going to be on this planet. She's been there for the last year. Her redeeming quality is that she's a great military tactician in that she thinks... 
in ways that nobody else does. And she is the most brilliant pilot that we have. She doesn't have any use for those two skills now. On the ground. Yeah. I was... she, everybody has to be just getting sick and tired of her. Either A, she's going to get better, or B, she's going to become this societal pariah that nobody cares about. That's okay. that's thought I, I should have mentioned in the last episode. Uh, yeah, that was my number one sacrifice. Uh, my number five is Valley of Darkness, or as I like to call it, the Blair Cylon Project episode. Oh, it's too bad. That uh, actually made my short list of favorites. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did not care for the, the horror handy cam thing that they were doing in that episode. I thought it was terrible. Uh, number four, Black Market. Number three, Scar. Number two, Sacrifice. I think you guys have said enough about those already. My number one most hated episode. Anyone care to guess? downloaded <laughs> it ruined the show for me <laughs> i cannot believe you guys let me oh, walk into I, that blind you, i liked that episode on cylons completely you now start to no, no no i was already coming around no this is the episode that took everything that i thought was going on that i thought i knew that i wanted to see and Bell you gave it a 10 for science fiction. I did give it a 10 for science fiction. And this, I am furious. At it. <laughs> this is the episode where Caprica 6 sees yes. the yeah, head, head Gaius. Gaius. Oh, yes. I loved it. it. Amen. Yeah, that's great, it isn't was, it? That, that was one of those moments where I was like, I love this show. <laughs> <laughs> Curtis, you want to give us your favorite episodes? Yeah, I have a list here. Uh, Fragged. And that was the one where they're, I can't remember where they're, what planet they're on, but. Gaius is down there with the troops. Yeah, that's the. And, uh, they're uh, on Cobal. Uh, Cobal, okay. And uh, they've got a crazy person leading their outfit, and he has to decide whether or not to take him he out or not. Yeah, he has to. He has to take him. Take him out. Yeah, it was fascinating, and I, you know, love Gaius. I love every episode that he's in, and uh, <laughs> man, that was a great one for him. Okay. And then uh, I have down here Pegasus and the Resurrection Ship. Part one and two. That was those are the Admiral Kane episodes. They're uh-huh. great, and um, you know, high high point of the season definitely the assassination standoff there. That was intense and uh, really cool. And I liked the fact that they both decided to second guess themselves and and uh, forego the assassination attempts. So. Okay, powerful. It was, yeah, it was really good TV. Is that your whole list? Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh so I'll go now. Uh, my number five and number four are Resurrection Ship Parts 1 and 2. So Part 1 get, comes fifth, Part 2 comes fourth. Uh, like you said, I, I love that, uh, the assassination standoff stuff. That was that was really, really good television. And, and everything that happened there, you know, the humans finally win one against the Cylons. It's, it's just a really great episode. Uh, number three, I put Lay Down Your Burdens, and I'm treating it as one long episode because, to me... That's the way it should have aired. And I think that's the way the story is told. Uh, number two, Home Part Two. This is where they find the map to Earth. It's awesome stuff. We get so much about the mythology of this universe. I, I really enjoyed that. My number one episode of the season. Anyone want to guess? Downloaded. Downloaded. <laughs> yeah. I have a love-hate relationship with that episode. <laughs> it was great, but I'm just... It just broke everything. <laughs> everything is broken. 
That nice little barrel uh, that was containing all those monkeys suddenly <laughs> burst ex- open, <laughs> exploded <laughs> outwards, and there's monkeys everywhere. <laughs> Pete, you want to give us your favorites? <laughs> number five. Uh, no, sorry. Now, number six, an honorable mention, Valley of Darkness. <laughs> what a great episode that was. So intense with the Cylons just categorically going throughout the ship, taking everything down and they almost get to the very end, and they're, they get stopped. And it's so intense and scary. Around any corner could be, oh, Cylon! <laughs> and they're running out of bullets, and they only have, you know, the, the, you, you the realize Cylon busters. This, right? <laughs> <laughs> I loved the episode. It was so intense. Um, number five is Final Cut. This is the episode where we have the, um, basically the, um, behind the scenes of what's going on with Battlestar Galactica and, you know, getting to know the real soldiers who are out there defending every single day, the entire human fleet. And maybe the rest of the humans can just shut up and stop whining about their existence. Number four is Lay Down Your Burdens Part Two. Uh, just a brilliant, brilliant episode all around. Number three is Home Part Two. Uh, for the same reasons you mentioned, Joey, everything just really clicked there. It was way cool to see how they resolved the whole Arrow of Apollo and how you know they got to the tomb of Athena. They put the arrow in, and you know, boom. They're, you know, taken away to this ancient thing. You know, is it all in their heads? Is Are they transported away to some place? What, what's this whole thing? It's all a big mystery. But we figured out where Earth is. Yeah, Earth is in a position where it would be able to see all of the other constellations. And so now they have to be able to go and search it out. But they finally, they've got their roadmap, so to speak, to be able to go and find this. Okay. Number two is Resurrection Ship. That whole story is phenomenal. The resolution to Admiral Kane, inevitably, you know, with her demise, I was so frustrated and I cheered so much for all that happened in that episode. Number one is Pegasus because out of nowhere we have this hope that comes to us and we learn a little bit more nope not so great of a hope <laughs> is it and it's painful that Adama now is going to have to go fight against what is his military authority and try and take this woman down who is she just feels evil. We don't really know why, but the actress who played her, Ensign Rowe, did an amazing <laughs> job of being able to emote this feeling out of us that, you know, she's just she just feels dirty, the whole thing. I uh, I love Pegasus. Because yeah. it just that's for me is where the shift in the season comes and a whole lot of good stuff happens. Okay. So for favorite moment I have to go with Six waking up and seeing a head Gaius there. <laughs> Again, I, like I said, this is, I mean, 
it has been maybe a handful of times in my life where I have been that caught by surprise. There, I, I like, like I told Pete in our last podcast. I don't know if you heard this part, Curtis. I would have gone on. I was so sure. <laughs> I would have gone on an internet message board and argued with people that they were wrong, even though they had already seen it. <laughs> That's how confident I was in my answers to some of these questions. And then, as soon as that head guy appeared, it all just fell to pieces. It, it was all built on a structure of understanding who Head Six was, and I've got nothing gone. now. Yeah. It's all gone. How about you, Curtis? Do you have a, a favorite moment from the um, season you remember? Yeah, yeah, I touched on this already, but the, uh, the assassination standoff, definitely okay. a high point of the series. So. Pete? It's so tough because I've so recently seen, and we had all of those breaks in between, you know, as we've gone through this uh, this season, um, we have that massive explosion, <laughs> which is so, you know, fundamentally changes the fleet now because... Holy crap, we managed to allow a nuclear weapon to get off of Galactica. Now, they don't know that Gaius got it off. They just, you know... I, I, why don't they recognize the nuclear signature as it's being flown off of the ship? They recognize the nuclear signature on all sorts of other things put coming it in. a lead case. I guess. Um, but the, the, the scene with that blowing up is so visually amazing but from an emotional standpoint i loved so much that gina and i think i'm gonna go with this i'm gonna agree i'm going with curtis he's so right about a lot of things when she finally is able to confront the person who inevitably ordered all of these things to happen to her she's able to shoot admiral kane and does the fleet the greatest favor that they can ever possibly imagine because life under her would have been tyrannical. It would have been terrible. So really Gina's character is a wash because she did this great thing killing off Admiral Kane, but then she set off the nuke and destroyed like a third maybe of the fleet. <laughs> and brought the Cylons to New Caprica. I don't hold that against her. I think I lay that at Gaius's feet. If If Gaius hadn't been, you know... Dumb enough to give her who gives this a whack to somebody. I don't know that it, broken. Yeah. So it, just so we're clear, anybody out there, if you've got a nuclear device, don't give it to the person who's gone through an immense amount of emotional and physical torture. Yeah. That person is not the most stable. Stay away from yeah. them. Just well, you can be just around them. Disarm don't give them your the nuke. nuke. <laughs> just, <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of another podcast. We hope that you've been inspired to take a deeper look at your entertainment choices and discuss it with friends, family, or just a couple of complete strangers you only know from the internet. As always, we invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. You can tweet Pete at trekwest5, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 801-508-4242. So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And we thank you for listening. So don't give me that look I know you're up to it